We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh, and we are here to finally put to rest Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Today we are tackling our differences episode between the novel and the film. It's going to be uh, an interesting episode. These ones always are. These are where Chase and I are at our best on this show is when we get to sit back, relax, and talk a little bit about what we see uh, visually from what we read uh, in the novel there. So I'm excited to kind of break down what we saw, things that made us happy, things that pissed us off, and everything in between, man. What about you? Yeah, man, it, it's... I was I was okay with it. <laughs> I was okay with it. But we got a lot. We got a lot to dive into. That's for sure. And, uh, yeah, um, with that, I'll let you kind of kick us off from here. But, uh, yeah, guys, thanks for always you know tuning in with us and being on this ride but uh i know you know i didn't think the movie was terrible like i remember when i was actually working at the theater when this came out and this was the one like order of the phoenix like people camped out for this thing and now looking back that i just <laughs> read the book i was like man i was so stoked for <laughs> it was like a rental it was on that rental level man what about you so for me, it's interesting, right? Because I kind of, we talked about this before we started the episode today. Like, I have, like, a, like I don't hate this movie as much as I've had, you know, dislikes for the ones previous. Like, there's still a lot I didn't like about it. But if I'm going to be, like, relatively speaking, it was pro it's probably the best one that we've seen to date when it comes to the novel-to-film adaptations in terms of when we just finished reading the novel going right into the film obviously we still have deathly hallows next and see maybe like they'll do even better i'm hopeful i hope they will uh but anyways <laughs> look like they did a lot of great things and i made sure i notated the great things that they did in this movie but man they did a lot of bad things too so it for me yeah. it was one of those it was a weird it was a weird thing way to judge this and kind of grade it because uh for me they did some things really well but then they turned around and shot themselves in the foot in the next scene and it, it it was wildly confusing because I liked it, but I also didn't. It was confusing, man. That's kind of my <laughs> takeaway in, in a nutshell, yeah. bro. So I know we'll kind of get more into it when we actually jump through the scenes and, and the big differences that we're going to talk about today. But, I mean, you were even telling me you've got, what, close to almost 200 differences that you had highlighted. I never number my differences. I just notate them. But I've got about seven pages full, so i got to assume it's got to be close to 200 that I've got as well. So... I think he said like 170 yeah. something last time we spoke, but anyways. That's like right where I was. I was at one, I ended with 172. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and those are like major ones. Like, I even found some little ones here and there I'll bring up. But same thing, like I, there were some cool things that they did, but in the end it's like even though i thought some things were really cool it's like they didn't even make sense for why they did that so yeah man uh yeah guys thanks for being us on the hpb ride i guess the harry potter blood prince <laughs> so uh harry potter half blood prince you filthy half bloods but thanks for being on this ride with us. I'm going to let Jay Nelly kick us off today, and let's go ahead and dive right into Sounds it. Sounds like a plan. And just to kind of give people a backstory of where we're at, like I always do last week, obviously we talked about the ending of the contents of the novel. We uh, heard the Phoenix Lament. We had the kind of uh, debrief that they had in the hospital wing about, you know, Harry C. and Dumbledore's death. He told the members of the Order of the Phoenix that were there kind of what happened. Uh, we ended up putting Dumbledore to rest in the White Tomb. 
on the Hogwarts grounds. That's going to come up big later on uh, with his tomb and what ends up taking place in Deathly Hallows regarding that. Uh, so, you know, kind of where we start today, just because it, every, especially for when our big heroes fall in these novels, it's good to kind of take mm-hmm. the moment to, uh, to give them that respect. So last week, that's what we did. We, we went through the last three chapters, 28, 29, and chapter 30. I talked about putting Dumbledore at his final resting spot, and we're at that spot now where Harry's new task is to basically, I guess with the help of Ron and Hermione, because they agreed to go with him, but he's now got to take, take down the last four Horcruxes alone, right? So that's kind of the where the contents of the novel end off. Now going into the Differences episode, we're going to start kind of right back from the beginning and talk about the way the things kind of changed around and the events that they chose to portray on screen. So what we'll do is we'll kind of do this the same way we've always done it, guys, and while I'll take like three or four at a time, then I'll pass over Chase. He'll take the three or four at a time till. Uh, we get through these, so let's go ahead and get our Malice in the Chalice, and let's uh, jump on into it, my brother. Malice in the Chalice, man. Off to the pit of misery with you. Alrighty. I guess that's really where Dumbledore was in that cave. <laughs> Literally the pit of misery. In the cave, the cave of wonders, thing, he tried man. to tell him last He said they were in the cave of wonders. <laughs> yeah. <Man>. But, <laughs> Take it away. Yeah, brother. so, the, I mean, the first thing I noticed, I thought the very, very first opening scene was pretty cool, because they actually... Like, instead of in the book where we kind of read, uh, you know, what had happened from the Muggle Prime Minister's point of view, of him saying the things that happened, we actually got to see those things happen on screen with, like, the Brockdale Bridge collapsing. Uh, You know, they actually showed the kidnapping of Ollivander. I don't think people really realize what that was. Fenrir Greyback was shown in the opening scene, like, taking Ollivander out of the wand shop, but you couldn't tell it was Ollivander because he had, like, the hood over his head. So I thought it was really cool that we were able to see what the the disturbances that the prime minister the muggle prime minister was uh having a bad week about all those things happening so uh, they, obviously it didn't show the junior minister acting weird under the imperious curse which is fine uh but i just thought that was cool that we actually got to see the bad things happening instead of just hearing about it from the muggle prime minister's perspective which was nice um we kind of missed that though they, they didn't have that no meeting of the prime minister and fudge that was kind of omitted I thought that would have been cool to, uh, it would have been like a good sort of changing of the guard, because that's where in the novel we realized that Fudge is no longer the Minister of Magic, it got passed over to Rufus Scrimmager, so it would have been cool to kind of see that transition on the screen. We didn't get that meeting between the Muggle Prime Minister and the Minister of Magic, it's fine, whatever. It is something that maybe could have been put in, but I don't have the biggest issue with. Um... But it immediately fucks up right after that by having Harry by by having <laughs> Harry like randomly at this train station flirting with this mogul waitress pop some pills. I've never seen Harry pop any pills in the damn novel. But yeah, I didn't know what. I, I, like I guess they were anxiety meds. I don't know, man. And then all of a sudden, Albus just shows <laughs> up. Where in the book, obviously they're at Privet Drive, and like he chastises the Dursleys for how they treated Harry after all these years. And basically tells me he's got to come back one more time next summer. And we also find out, like, using Creature, if Sirius's will would be honored. So, like, we missed all of that. That didn't happen at all in the film. They basically, honestly, with all the films, they pretended like the Dursleys were not a factor at all. We didn't really see much of them in any of the films. And this is, like, <laughs> this is one of the bigger things because this is why, this is kind of the full circle moment where this is the last time Dumbledore interacts with the Dursleys because of what happens. He dies at the end of the novel, right? So, 
he basically tells him, like, you guys did not do what I asked when I left a note on his your doorstep about taking care of Harry. You treated him like shit. You made him live in a broom cupboard. You tried to beat the magic out of him. You know, you never, but he's like, oh, you know, we didn't get any of that. And we didn't get, like, the creature, like, being able to be in Harry Potter's service. Like, that's a, now that's a really important thing, especially going into next book. We needed to see that creature now takes orders from Harry because he's the rightful owner of 12 Grimmauld Place. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty important. Important. Also, another big difference here when Dumbledore like shouted, not shouted at Harry, but said really sternly, uh, "Take my arm, do as I say." Like Dumbledore would never talk to Harry like that. In the book, when they go to the Slughorns, Dumbledore is very polite and kind. It actually says on page forty-three in the note that he writ- wrote to Harry, he says, <laughs> "If you are agreeable, I should also be glad of your assistance in a matter of which I hope to attend on the way to the burrow." I shall explain this more fully when I see you. Like, he gave Harry the option and, like, was very polite about, hey, I hope you can help me out with this, which is, like, talking about, it's a foreshadow of, like, going to Slughorns and trying to convince him to come out of retirement. But, like, in the movie, he's like, take my arm, do what I say. <laughs> like, what? That's not Dumbledore at all. <laughs> it's not I what say. he does. <laughs> so, uh, and, I, and then the last thing I have before I turn over to Chase is just talking about how I think Slughorn himself was a bad cast. He was known for his mustache. Like, this slughorn was, like, clean-shaven. Remember, he had, like, that big, like, handlebar mustache? You can see it in the illustrations on the, in the in the novel. Uh, when it has him in the picture there where it says, uh, or a slughorn. He's, like, a squat old man, bald up top with a mustache. And, like, this slughorn was not like that at all. It was just very, very strange uh, casting choice. But with that, I'll turn it over to Chase, and he'll kind of point us out some other differences. Yeah, no, I think you hit that nail on the head. Like, I pictured... Uh, Slughorn looking like Colonel Mustard from the Clue game. <laughs> like, Colonel Mustard <laughs> did it in the Christmas ballroom in the Christmas party with the Slug Club. Like, that's exactly what I pictured with that big yellow, like, mustache. And it's like, for some reason, this Slughorn, I felt like he was very, like, timid. Like, in the book, he was very, like, trying to always be the cool guy and win people over. It's almost like he was, like, timid or something. Did you ever get that vibe from him? Yeah, I felt he was very, very whiny. Like, he was super whiny yeah. for, like, not. I don't really think his character was portrayed that way. Like, he was obviously nervous about possibly coming into Dumbledore's employ, thinking the Death Eaters would make, it would make him a target. So he's, like, a little nervous in the beginning. But he was kind of very, like, whiny the whole That's movie. Cool. And, you know, and, and I agree with you, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head for the ones at the beginning. The only thing I will say... Where the fuck was Rufus, uh, Rufus Scrimmageor? Like, where the hell was he? That's what I'm saying. The entire movie. Right. Well, and that's <laughs> the big thing is, like, that would have been nice to see where they left out the Mughal Prime Minister's meeting with Cornelius Fudge. That's where we get introduced to Rufus Scrimmageor in the novel. And they just decided we don't need to know that there's a new Minister of Magic. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, guys. Okay. <laughs> But uh, I thought you hit the nail on the head. I thought it was badass, though, like you were saying, like the Death Eaters, like destroying the city and stuff. Of course, you don't really hear about the hurricanes and stuff, but it was still cool the way they did it. I thought they visually, like visually, I don't think this movie had any problems. Like visually, it was gorgeous. Like Michael Bay syndrome at its best, like was fantastic. But writing's a whole nother issue. Uh, Spinner's in, so let's... Oh, and by the way, just throwing this out there, like you were saying in the coffee thing, remember they tried to kind of make up for what they couldn't fit in. Like Harry was reading the Daily Prophet 
But one thing that kind of stuck out to me was like you barely saw any of the Daily Prophet. So how they did it before, like kind of in the order of the Phoenix movie, that wasn't any good and stuff. You know, they were trying to throw details of like this happened, this happened. But you like barely even see that article at all. So there was really no point in even doing that. <laughs> and like you were saying, when Dumbledore shows up, it's almost like you thought he was high or something. It was the weirdest thing. He was next to the subway. Like, or wherever the fuck they were, it was like the train station, he was like, it was like he was like dazed, like he had just drank the potion at the end, at the beginning, to get a little, get a little high before he saw Harry, just so he could stand him for the next, next eight hours or so. Take my hand, Harry. <laughs> Take my hand. Dumbledore, did you just hotbox your office? Like, what is going on with that gargoyle, man? I don't know. And then uh, the next thing I had was Spinner's End. So I will say, like, we're going to get into the differences in just a second. But I did think it was cool, like, the rain and stuff. And then Bellatrix was, like, running through the small little, like, hallways. Not hallways, but, like, streets that they had. But at the same time, like, the location is inconsistent. Because, like, in the book, they have it. It's described as, like, the mill. It's not, like... It's not like where it was just like some small like streets or like they had I think they I saw like a windmill or something in there. Um but it's supposed to be like 19th century like textile fact uh like whatever they were and wherever they were in the film. I don't know exactly what that was. But remember in the book like it opened up with that whole fox scene and that sort of thing that was badass. Like none of that was there. They were just like roaming through the street for some reason. Almost like they just stumbled upon this house and went to see him. And then Bellatrix at the same time, when they go to see Snape, she doesn't show near as much loathing for Snape. Like in the book, remember, she like was like hounding Snape about all this stuff and was hitting him a question after question. And Snape was like, well, don't you think this, this and this and had a rebuttal for all of it. Almost like he was being attacked by her as far as like questioning his loyalty none of that happened um like i said the scene with the fox was omitted that was a big one for me because i love the fox scene i thought it was badass um and then the scene like you said when uh harry meets slughorn in the film in the book it's after like fudge talks to the prime minister and in this in the film it's like just like you said they skipped like the first <laughs> it was almost like they skipped like the first two chapters of the book like he just shows up outside that coffee thing i don't know why harry was getting coffee when the hell have we ever seen harry get coffee by himself and he just apparates across the street knowing harry's in a coffee shop why like that's not gonna look weird to the rest of the muggle world by the way like isn't the whole idea going back to sorcerer's stone why they dropped harry off at night isn't that kind of like the whole big deal here like so they didn't just apparate in front of muggles because that's not supposed to be you know mixing church and state <laughs> kind of thing i don't know i just thought it was a very interesting opening the way they did it it's like every visual that they had was badass and awesome but then the details and like 
it wasn't explainable why they decided to do something. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you, man. For sure. And like, here's one of the things I issue I had. Like, they they skip things out of order because Spinner's End happens well. At, like in the book, it was like the second chapter. Well, in the yeah. novel, it happened after the whole Slughorn thing. But anyways, I do want to talk about the the Slughorn uh, when they get to his the house that he was kind of taking over for the Muggles who are on vacation because. Uh, in the in the movie, Dumbledore said dragon's blood is what gave Slughorn away. Where in the book, it was the lack of the dark mark above the house that actually gave Slughorn away. So like that was right. they, that's nothing that you can you can change that. Like you can just put a dark mark there. Like like that's nothing that you have to. I don't know, man. But anyways, but the movie I do believe actually did a good job with convincing Slughorn to come back to Hogwarts. It was pretty accurate as far as like the things that were said between Harry and Dumbledore and Slughorn. Like it was, they did a pretty good job of that specific scene. So I have to give credit where credit's due. But the, then right after that, the arrival at the burrow was all fucked up. In the book, Harry and Dumbledore <laughs> had a quick meeting in the broom shed where Dumbledore tells Harry that they will be doing private lessons together this year, which is pretty damn important. That never comes up. He just ends up going there. Like, I don't know. Like, like he tells him about the private lessons he'll be taking in the broom shed in the novel, and that's just left out in the film. Uh, also... The Weasleys knew that Harry was arriving in the book. Well, not this weird, awkward surprise they showed in the movie. Like, you remember that? Like, like, like Harry's here. No, he's not. I yeah. think I would know if Harry Potter was in my house. Like, what? Why would <laughs> like, you just? Sh- why would you show up to someone's house randomly? My my thing is, it's like they knew he was coming. Like, there was a whole plan in place. Dumbledore was like, "Yeah, you know, we're gonna go and get Slughorn, and then the Weasleys are awaiting us like afterwards." Remember, because he walks in and she's like, "Oh, you're earlier than I expected, Harry." Dumbledore said he wouldn't be done till much later. Like, so like she knew he was coming, but in the movie there was like, this weird, awkward surprise where shit's just in the living room. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know, man. Very strange. <laughs> and then. Uh, like all, all of a sudden, like the movie made it seem that Harry was already starting to develop feelings for Ginny right off the bat. Like the weird kind of pause moment yeah. they had looking at each other. Like that doesn't happen till much later in the novel. But uh, yeah, I thought that was weird. Also, this part was just completely stupid. Mrs. Weasley never threatened to pull out Ron and Ginny from Hogwarts in the book. The Weasleys trust Dumbledore wholeheartedly. Never once was that a thought in Mrs. Weasley's mind in the book that they were going to pull Ron and Ginny out of Hogwarts. But we're going to put that into the movie? Why? All you're doing is making it questionable. <laughs> like, like if you think about Dumbledore and his biggest supporters, the Weasleys are probably at the top of the list of like Dumbledore fans. You know what I mean? Like They all, they all swear by Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah. So why the hell would you come in there and try to say Mrs. Weasley would threaten to pull out Ron and Ginny from Hogwarts? That just wouldn't happen if you if you know anything about Harry Potter at all. That was just a dumb <laughs> ad, period. Like, that was ridiculous. Like, I did not like that at all. Um, then talking now, because then it goes into Spinner's End. And like I said, the Spinner's End scene does happen not only out of order, but like you were mentioning, Bellatrix in the book interrogated Snape about, like, his concerns on his loyalties. There was no questions at all in the movie. And also, Narcissa in the novel was the one who suggested the Unbreakable Vow, not Bellatrix. Bellatrix was the one who they made they put it in the movie where, like, in the book she was like, "Oh, he won't do it," and then like, like it was just weird how they just decided. Because I th- I feel like they wanted to overblow people, certain people's characters. They did it a lot with Hermione leading up, yeah, and they started yeah. doing it with Bellatrix a lot because I guess she was the more marketable villain. I think that's maybe why people really enjoyed her character and her portrayal from like Helen Bonham Carter. Uh, they probably enjoyed that a lot, so they're thinking that they're just going to give her extra moments on screen. Whatever. I guess I can swallow that. It just wasn't accurate to the novel. But anyways. 
I did think that wizarding, uh, Weasley wizarding Weezes was pretty cool in Diagon Alley. I thought they made that look pretty sweet. Yeah. They didn't have the you know poo sign that I wanted to see, but that's okay. We don't need the you know poo sign. <laughs> the constipation the sensation that's gripping the nation. Apparently, we can't have the you know poo. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, with that deal, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, I mean, no, I, that was great, everything you said. Another thing, too, just going back to the Dursleys for a little bit. Buckbeak is never mentioned in this entire film. Nope. Like, when do we ever see like Buckbeak or his nickname ever mentioned at all? Plays a pretty big role. Plays a pretty big role at the end. Like, I mean, it takes two seconds to mention that. What is with these directors in bringing characters up from the beginning? And then when they really should be brought up, just like how Dobby has also been in Goblin of Fire, and he was in this book, and he was even in Order of the Phoenix... So they put him in Chamber of Secrets, the film, and he's just randomly going to show up in the Deathly Hallows movie. Like, who gives a fuck at that point? (laughs) (laughs) Like, who gives a fuck at that point? Excuse my language. You just missed his entire storyline, basically. But all right, whatever. I'm going to let it go because I'm an accommodating guy. I'm cool. Like, what can I do to help you guys? Anyways, so another part. I will say this, though. Alan Rickman is the fucking man. Like, he is awesome. I kind of wish he had, like, that goatee thing that Snape has in the book. That'd be pretty badass. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, you know, Don, uh, Adam Driver would be a badass, like, Snape if he... You take this movie and film it, you know, 20 years from now. Adam Driver would kill it with that goatee. But uh, that Spinner's End scene with Beltrix and Narcissa, I will say, like, Alan Rickman, I felt like he did... Like, for some reason, like, about his character, maybe it's because, like, he was the bad guy in Die Hard all those years and shit. Like, for some reason, he plays the role of Snape perfect, in my opinion. Like, he kind of has that whole... It's not even like... He's almost like a more... A little bit more calm Snape, but he naturally has that demeanor, which is, I thought, was badass. Um, We'll say this uh, as far as... Like you were saying with Narcissa, that's a huge fucking thing. Just to turn it over to give her to Beltrix, because I get it, it's cool. And I think Helena, Helena Bottom Carter was a perfect Bellatrix. But the problem is, it entirely changes like the meaning for that scene. Because the whole idea was Narcissa was scared to death for her son. When the fuck has Bellatrix really gave a shit about Malfoy? <laughs> like, when the fuck has she really gave a shit about him? If he had died on that tower, you think she really would have gave two shits? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not exactly. So just throwing that out there. Um, in the book, remember, uh, Dumbledore says they're going to talk to Slughorn because they're short-staffed. Because there was, like, a reason to go there. In the film, they're just, like, stopping by there. Like, there was no reason they just decided to go to this random person's house. There was no explanation whatsoever. Um, The safety measures that were issued by the Ministry regarding the Inferi. Remember when Dumbledore in the book, he was like, ah, he was like, um, yeah, corpses. That's what he called them. Uh, Corpses, dead corpses. None of that was ever mentioned. None of that, which that would have played a huge foreshadowing. You're over here throwing in articles about the Daily Prophet why Harry's drinking coffee, which he's never drank coffee before in his life. All he's drank is maybe a butterbeer here or there. But yet you can't put that article in there? Like, wouldn't that make so much more sense? 
<laughs> I don't know about I don't know about you, but it doesn't make sense for me. Um, and also uh, another one here, and then I'll turn it back over to you. So in the book, uh, there was the when they discovered Slughorn. Remember, there was a flaw in Slughorn's plan to hide himself. And um, oh, you already mentioned this. Sorry about the dragon blood. Yeah, and the dark mark above the thing. And then the last one here I'll say is, so in the book, Slughorn and Dumbledore stand back to back when they were like waving their wands to restore the house. In the film, like Dumbledore just like restores the house on his own. That's not really a big one, but they just made Slughorn kind of look like a bitch this whole movie. <laughs> So, but uh, with that, I'll turn it back over to you. I'll actually let you catch up because it seems like you have a, like more smaller ones in between. Because I'm at uh, right now, the next one I've got is like when they're at Hogsmeade with, like I said, the wizarding Weasley wizarding wheezes. So if you got anything between where you're at back still at Slughorn and Diagon Alley, I'll let you just get through those. Because like, <laughs> nice. yeah, okay, I, I stuck so, to like the yeah, big. I don't have many. Yeah, but say I stuck to the big ones that were super important to the to the storyline for sure on this one. But gotcha. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Um, another one here, though, was in the book. Uh, remember, Slughorn tells Dumbledore that he took a long time in the bathroom, and Dumbledore says he was, like, reading the Muggle magazine uh, and, like, loves their knitting powers, their <laughs> knitting patterns. In the film, like, Slughorn, like, doesn't say anything, and Dumbledore just returns the magazine and was asking if he can have it because, like, the he loves it because of the knitting patterns in the book. That's not big. <laughs> I uh, just thought it was a little difference there. Yeah, meanwhile, Josh is like, we're sticking to the big stuff, and I'm over here talking about magazines. Like, I, I like to talk about the things that change the storyline, and Chase talking about knitting patterns over here with a muggle magazine. It's <laughs> like, that's not right. <laughs> anyway, okay, fine. We'll stick to the big stuff here. Um, let's see. So, okay, so let's jump to where... Uh, and remember, uh, you mentioned the private lessons and everything. So in the film, uh, by the way, just throwing this out there, Floor wasn't even like in the film at all. Floor Delacour, <laughs> like where was she? <laughs> like where was she the entire time? Kind of a big one. So definitely wanted to bring that up because this whole idea of an excess of phlegm, that wasn't even there. So we can just go ahead and omit that. Um, there is no mention of Arthur Weasley's promotion at all. Um, and you mentioned about Harry. She already, she like didn't know he arrived at all in the film, even though he, she knew he was going to be arriving. Um, as far as the relationship between Tonks and Lupin, kind of a big one. Like in the film, like it's already starting to like kind of be implied about something. Like they got something going on. That's what I noticed. But, like, none of that... That's all, like, kept a secret for a reason until the end. There is no, like, mention of Tonks's Patronus changing, any of that. Uh, in the film... Uh, this was a big one. I have to mention this. In the film, remember, Harry... Uh, so, like, like, gets there. And then, like, they're, like, levitating. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are levitating, like... I don't know it was it was like a piece of the daily prophet or something and this doesn't happen in the book because you can't do underage magic outside of school so like when in the fuck did they start doing underage magic outside of school like when was this just suddenly okay 
but they've been doing it the whole movie series. Like they did it like before. <laughs> they've done it all over the place. They did it in uh, like what is it called? Um, Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm pretty sure they did it in in Goblet of Fire. They've done it like all through the movie series. Like they just decided that the underage wizard wizard usage is fine apparently in the, in the film series. So I don't know. Very weird. Made no sense to me. No, no sense at all. <laughs> no sense. No sense. Um, there is also this is getting me back up to where you were. So there's no mention at all of Harry giving uh, Fred and George the winnings from the Triwizard Tournament. So I mean, I expected that because they never mentioned that in Goblet of Fire, the film, anyways. <laughs> so even though it was like a three-hour film, you can't fit that in there. Uh, Igor Kakarov's murder is never mentioned in the film. That's important. Um, they did say they originally filmed this, and apparently you can find it in some like super like thousand-dollar auction, like. DVD edited versions where apparently like they actually filmed this but they chose not to put it in the theatrical versions or any deleted scenes why <laughs> like why that's kind of a big one um, and then I'll turn it back over to you after this one so the scene with Harry Ron and Hermione like seeing Draco and Narcissa at Madame Malkin's that like never happens <laughs> in the film at all like remember when Hermione was like making up like an excuse like uh saying like oh I was gonna buy him a gift he was like my friend and then at Borgen and Burks he was like get out of here and then she looks super stupid like none of that happened at all and that changes like it doesn't change like the major storyline so much but like that's a huge moment as far as what you're about to get into and kind of setting the stage but instead we can have harry in a coffee shop to set the stage for the whole movie so i don't really get that with that i'll turn it back over to no, you no i agree with that one's a huge difference that needed to be talked about and i've got some more details on that coming up in a second for me like the whole bit with draco where it started at the robe shop in the book and when they did follow draco draco was trying to give his mom the slip the movie shows them trying to avoid detection together. Like, him and his mom are both, like, really shady, like, going in and out of places where, like, like I said, in the book, Draco was trying to get away from his mom. Also, they followed Draco under the invisibility cloak in the book. In the movie, they were just in broad daylight with no cover. <laughs> like, like, they had the whole invisibility cloak that they followed into Nocturnalia. Well, apparently they just tried to play, like, super tail spy and, you know, <laughs> moving in and out of the, the streetways, the alleyways and shit. I don't know. But that was important talking about the robe shop because remember in the book like he goes ow my arm like, like he like yanked his left arm away from Madame Malkin because his dark mark was there and that, that's something that is pretty damn important Malfoy being a Death Eater is a huge that's <laughs> a huge issue for the, where the the storyline's concerned and then to your point talking about the Morgan and Burke situation number one they use extendable ears in the book to listen to Draco and Borgen's conversation. In the movie, we couldn't hear the conversation. Like they were just, it was like they were, they were just watching them in the store. And like Fenrir Greyback pulled the dang curtain down. Remember, the, Fenrir Greyback wasn't there. Narcissa wasn't there. It was just Malfoy and Borgen talking together in Borgen and Burks. They added all that shit for no reason. Uh, and that's that's a big problem because it was he threatened like the use of Fenrir Greyback if Borgen wasn't going to be like agreeable. And that's going to come into play later on when stuff happens at Hogwarts at the end of the, at the book and movie. So, yeah, that was all so, like, all fucked up. And then 
Harry, in the movie, never tells Mr. Weasley about his Malfoy suspicions. Because remember, like, Mr. Weasley went on a second raid of the Malfoy Manor. And they just left that out of the movie. Like, like not even a mention. So I thought that was something that probably should have been brought up. Uh, also, this again. They just decided that they don't care about small details that are important. Ron and Hermione were not in the compartment at the beginning of the Hogwarts Express ride because of their prefix duties. They're supposed to be in the prefix because, like, the thing at first. And they just decided in both uh, Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince that... Hermione and Ron being prefix is not going to make an appearance, period. Like, we're going to act like that never happened. That's a huge issue. Like, that's like they, that was one of Ron's defining moments of a school career was becoming a prefix. His mom was so proud. And, like, that's why Harry's, like, forced to, like, spend time with Neville and Luna because, you know, Ron, or Harry, I'm sorry, Hermione and Ron are supposed to be doing their prefix duties for the majority of the Hogwarts Express ride. So I thought that was really silly how they're just going to leave that out again. And then... Last thing what I'll do, then I'll turn it over to uh, Chase, is I want to go to uh, Hermione's overblown bullshit again, when she just finishes Harry's thought by telling <laughs> Ron, Harry is under the impression that Draco Malfoy is a Death Eater. No, that is not what happened at all. Hermione just didn't guess that. Her, Harry, like, gave out his suspicions, and they, like, kind of, like, well, uh, they didn't agree with him. Like, you know, they, she didn't just guess that that's what he thought. Like, I thought that was really dumb that they just decided she was too smart to let Harry finish his own damn sentence. Okay. Like, like that, I thought that was ridiculous. But anyways, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you and you can get, give us uh, what else you had in there for some big differences. Yeah. Um, I mean, you pretty much hit those nail on the head. This isn't much of a difference, but it was kind of a interesting, cool moment. So in the book, like, Fred and George knock off one nut of the price for Ron when he goes into the shop. I thought this was kind of a cool moment, like a great ad. And then Fred and George, remember Ron was like, I'm your brother. And they're like, 10 galleons. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, like funny. doubled the price. It was funny. Yeah, not yeah. really important, but it was funny. Um, uh, there was no mention of pygmy puffs in the book, like when uh, in the film when Jenny was asking her mother for a pygmy puff. I know that was on your little creatures there, so I felt like I should mention it. Um, you mentioned all the stuff with Draco. Uh, there's no mention of fake amulets being sold as opposed to the book. Um, as far as in the slug club, so in the film, uh, yeah, you mentioned this, like the spying on Draco, but um, in the book, so Harry like asks if he can share their compartment with Jenny but she has to go see Dean. And then um, Harry winds up sharing the compartment with Neville and Luna instead. But like in the film, and this is when they're on the train, Harry like shares the compartment uh, with Ron her, and Hermione, and they like just start discussing Draco on the train, like for no reason. So I don't know. I didn't have a big problem with it, but I was like, whatever, I guess because they hate Draco so much. Um, the Slug Club's first meeting is first actually in the Hogwarts Express in the book in the like film it's like they're in Slughorn's office kind of thing so I don't know uh and this is all stuff like I'm okay with like I get I'm a lenient guy like I, I can take so much like uh, all right but then um so of course the uh Harry like goes to spy on Draco immediately after leaving his compartment in the film as opposed to the book um, and then in the book, uh, like, Harry follows uh, Zambini, Blaze Zambini, into the Slytherin's car. 
while under the invisibility cloak. And in the film, Harry uses, like, this is my problem. Like, he already, like, Harry, like, has Peruvian instant darkness powder. <laughs> like, where the fuck did you get that from? Like, that's a huge thing in the book that Draco uses towards the end. And, like, he just, like, has it? Like, he just bought it from the Weas uh, Wizarding Weasley, uh, Wizarding Weasley Wizard, whatever you call it. Please say Bro, that Bro, holy shit, Lord. you had a hard time getting through that word. <laughs> Weasley Wizarding, Wizarding Weezes. <laughs> Wizarding Weasel Weeze. <laughs> Weasley Wizarding Weezes. Wizarding No, Weasley. Weasley. It starts with Weasley. <laughs> Weasley, wizarding, wheezes. Weasley, wizarding, wheezes. I got it. Sally sells seashells at the cave at the end of the book, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, okay. I got it. I got it. Uh, but, yeah, like, how the fuck does he just have that? Like, if he was going to buy it at the store, why didn't you take the extra 10 seconds when they were, like, 10 galleons to say, maybe Harry purchased this if you're trying to switch it around? I don't know. Which really screws everything up for this whole, like, deal at the very end. I don't know, this whole astronomy tower deal <laughs> that we were talking about, which really changes the whole course. Really doesn't change the course, though, because we'll get into that later, because almost everyone's not there. <laughs> so just throwing that there. Uh, and then last one, I'll turn it back over to you. Uh, so, like, Pansy Parkinson's, this isn't that big but sits besides Blaze across from Draco in the film, as opposed to the book, she like sits besides Draco and she like has that thing for Draco, like stroking his hair. So you have this whole like idea, like Draco had some sort of a relationship, at least to kind of see into his character a little bit more, see into more of that like real, like down to earth kind of side somewhat, cause he's seen as so dark, like all throughout this film with all these secret, double agent shit he has going on but it was just all fucked up <laughs> i don't know man like i don't know why uh with that i'll turn it back over to you jay yeah and i do want to touch on that like the whole peruvian instant darkness powder thing because to your point this was a, a moment where if harry was gonna buy or pretend to buy it and weasley wizarding wheezes because not even just pretend to buy it but remember like in the book, they made it a point to Harry trying to pay for the products, and they're like, you don't pay here. You gave us our startup loan. Like, you get whatever you want. So, like, at least adding that part in there would make it make sense why he has that proving us in darkness powder. But, like, yeah. I don't even see why you need to do that. You added more to the scene than you needed to. You could have cut and saved money <laughs> by just putting the invisibility cloak on. Like, what actually happened? Like, that's what happened in the book, man. You don't need to change it to make it look cooler. Like, my gosh. On top of that... Talking when you said talking about the astronomy tower at the end, I found this a wild quote that Draco used. He's like, I'd rather pitch myself off the astronomy tower than the thought of continuing another two years. <laughs> what? He never yeah. said that. And on top <laughs> like, of that, it's what? like a hell of a foreshadow. Like, I think that's what like the directors and producers of it, or writers, were trying to do is like make a fun foreshadow for what was going to happen at the end when he said that. But like, that just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And. I don't know, man. Didn't he say something? He said someone said something like that on the train, though, that they did mention. That was in uh, the book because I brought it up on an episode 
But it wasn't like the way he said it. Like I think some someone said something. Well, yeah, he said about like not continuing in terms of like I think like my stuff will lie, lie outside of school. Like, but he never said I'm gonna pitch myself off the astronomy tower instead of continuing another two years at Hogwarts. Like, that's <laughs> that's for sure just not true. Um, yeah, <laughs> which like I don't understand why. Let's put ourselves in like these characters' perspectives for a moment. Like nothing bad has happened with the school yet. Like so, why does everyone suddenly hate Hogwarts? <laughs> like why does everyone hate Hogwarts all of a sudden? Like people just don't want to go back to school. I get it because the ministry and all that shit kind of happened. So I guess they're trying to tie that into it. But that still didn't happen at Hogwarts last year. Like, that was in the ministry. And all of a sudden, people are like, I'm never going back to school. It's like, whoa. <laughs> like, uh, why, though? I think like, that, please explain. I think the whole deal is that because Voldemort's back to full power and, like, murders and things are happening all over the place again, families want to stick with each other. They want to, like, kind of keep an eye on their kids. And so they think if they're off in Hogwarts, anything can happen to them without really thinking that Hogwarts is probably the safest place in the wizarding community for people who are afraid of Voldemort because Voldemort is never really looking for a direct conflict with Dumbledore. You know what I mean? So if he's presiding over it, it's probably yeah. the safest. So that's the only thing I think of is that, like, because Voldemort's returned to full power, families want to stay together and you know, make sure that they don't get lost or killed and all that. But regardless, let me get back into this, man. Um, apparently in the movie, Malfoy saw his bag move, where in the book it was like a flash of Harry's shoe. That was a minor difference, but that was something that, like, I noticed that they could have done a little differently. But this is where the big issue that I have with in this beginning sequence is when, in the movie, apparently Luna is the one that finds Harry with her spectra specs. Like where, yeah. like, where in the world does that make sense for anything at all? And especially when you're going to take away from a, another character's, like, arc. Especially because, like you were saying, with Tonks there, there, they just kind of already started alluding to certain things with her and Lupin. Where in the book, there was a whole lead-up. And there was a whole lead-up for a reason. Like, we were supposed to see Tonks being depressed, kind of walking through life like aimlessly like she wasn't uh you know happy but in in the movie they're just like okay luna you can find harry with your spectra specs uh you know and apparently luna knows how to fix his nose too so i don't know what you're doing over <laughs> there but uh, anyways i was trying uh, to see if it was in the book at all that he said i'd throw myself off the astronomy tower but yeah i still haven't found anything in that chapter yeah, it's not in there. Because I could have so. swore he said something about the astronomy tower, but yeah, I don't think he said that. Because um, no, I could have swore I like mentioned it, something like that. Because he says something very shitty to like, maybe it was like the mudblood thing that he went back to with Granger. Because didn't he get into it with? Uh, did he? I know he ran into. Ron, Hermione, and uh, Harry at one point, though. But it was like, maybe he just saw him in passing or something. But no, I what, felt like what, he was like that, talking to his friends or something. I know it's, I know it's been a while. It's been a couple weeks since we're at the beginning of this book, but that's literally not what happened either. <laughs> like, the Malfoy didn't see any of them. He questioned Blaise Zabini about what was going on in Slughorn's compartment because Malfoy was upset that he wasn't invited to the Slug Club. And Blaise Zabini told him who was there and talked about, like, Ginny... And then that's kind of like the whole blood trader thing that they were talking about. So, no, but he never said anything about <clears throat> throwing himself out of a 
Todd, here's I, I tell you right now. I'm on page 151. This is what Malfoy says. Malfoy looked angry but forced out a singularly humorless laugh. Well, who cares what he's interested in? What is he when it comes down to it? Just some stupid teacher, Malfoy yawned ostentatiously. I mean, I might not even be at Hogwarts next year. What's it matter to me if some fat old has-been likes me or not? What do you mean you might not be at Hogwarts next year? Said Pansy, indignantly seizing grooming Malfoy at once. Well, you never know, said Malfoy with a ghost of a smirk. I might have moved on to bigger and better things. Never says anything about launching anything off the astronomy tower at all. So that just didn't. <laughs> I don't know. That just yeah, literally didn't know. happen. I don't know. But anyway, who knows? Who knows? I, I'm I was more try to give him benefit of the doubt. No, but like that. at the end of the day, like that's not. I'm more concerned with what the fuck they did with Luna and Tonks here. Like that was a complete change of everything. It ruins Tonks' whole storyline of this book. Like like that shows her starting where she starts out from versus where she ends up at. Because remember, Harry's like, he's never seen Tonks like this, like depressed, barely ever answering his questions. She was like very vibrant and bright is how she was described in Order of the Phoenix. Like she was like almost like a breath of fresh air in a gloomy situation. Now she's the exact opposite in the, in the novel, but in the film, they just give this, this part to Luna, which is very strange because it also ruins the next part that happens of Snape coming down and collecting Harry and bringing him to the Great Hall where he was by himself, you know, because Tonks is the one that brought him up there. Well, apparently, they're just going to walk up to the gates, and Filch is going to be there while Snape is with Malfoy. That's just all bad. It's all wrong. Like, none of that is right. Like, <laughs> and I, But the one thing I will say I thought was cool before I turn it back over to you is that the barriers placed upon the school borders was cool to kind of see that when, like, the bird kind of hit the hit the border and it kind of like, disintegrated. So you got to see yeah. a little bit of the protection that was around Hogwarts. That was cool to see. That was something that they added that I appreciated in the film. But you cannot take away what happened from somebody completely different as a character and give it to someone else like they did for Luna and Tonks. So with that, I'll turn it back over yeah. to you. Yeah, no, and you're right about the thing. I was thinking of uh, what was the book where like they got into that like uh, wand casting thing where it all happened in one cabin where he was like bitching at Granger. I think it was like Azkaban or something, maybe. Um, when they were in the Hogwarts train, I can't remember, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I was trying to give him benefit of the doubt on it, I guess, because I was in my mind immediately. I was like, that's a pretty badass foreshadowing, <laughs> but I guess they never even picked up on that. They just threw it in there. Um, as far as, I mean, you pretty much hit that right on the head there. Um, the next things I have is far as. Uh, just going for the big stuff here. You already mentioned, you know, Tonks is, saves Harry and all that stuff. I did think it was cool, like, Luna's glasses. <laughs> I thought those were pretty cool looking. Like, it had, like, the pink and, like, the purple. Was it the blue? Yeah, the yeah, pink and the blue. They were what's called spectrospecs. So, like, in theory, what the film was trying to do is show that her glasses can see, like, not just, like, the regular. They can almost, like, see something that's invisible. Even though you couldn't fully see it. It made it so like it could, you know, she could almost detect that someone was there under the invisibility cloak, which is just a full fabrication. It was never like that in the book, but whatever. I know what the film was trying to do, but like I said, that was something they should have left normal. Is like when that was that was <laughs> meant for Tonks. That was not meant for Luna. So yeah, it, it was. I just thought the glasses were cool looking. Uh, point one <clears throat> for the film. <laughs> Hundred points, <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, next year, you know, Harry is like you said. You nailed this on the head. Like he's not met by uh, Snape in the film. He's met by Flitwick. <laughs> like when he gets there, for 
no reason at all. I feel like that takes away almost from like the relationship Harry and Snape have because it's almost like a full circle moment. Remember when Snape was there when Ron and Harry showed up late back in Chamber of Secrets. So that would have been a full circle moment. Um, like you said, they don't show Tonks as Patronus uh, in the books. Um, Harry like cast uh, like Hermione cast Tergo to heal Harry's nose. That's all broken. Um, in the film, like Jenny, this is a problem. Like hands him a handkerchief to stop the bleeding. They're already like trying to foreshadow their relationship, which the whole like idea was. They never even like talked at all up until like towards the end of the book. Like it was almost like that surprise moment, which they're just ruining. Well, they they were um, they started talking. They they, they were like not, not talking in that sort of way, but like they were friendly and then conversational. Like because like it was it, this was the yeah. whole deal with the whole light lead up of the series of the book is like. Ginny was afraid of speaking to Harry. She was really nervous around Harry up until probably around Goblet of Fire when he stayed for the Quidditch World Cup. Then they started becoming developing like a, like a friendship of sorts. And th that's the whole deal is like this book changes from Harry seeing her as just Ron's sister, which is kind of where we're at now mm -hmm. is what it's supposed to be, to what happens later on. But I will say, I want to correct you on just a small detail. Hermione doesn't fix Harry's nose. She siphons the blood away. Tonks is the one that actually that's fixes it, yeah. Harry's nose with the episky. Uh, charm and put, snaps it back into place. Yeah. But when he went into the, the uh, Great Hall in the novel, he was still full of blood on his face, and then she siphoned it away with the Tarego um, spell. But I just wanted to make that quick, you know, change there. But other than that, yeah, it's, no, it, no yeah. you're fine. Yeah. Except for the whole astronomy tower thing <laughs> throwing me off there. Man, I was like, hey, that would have been interesting if they. Nah, they just add shit to add it. Um, in the film. Harry is, like, wearing his school robes. This isn't a big one. But in the book, like, Harry's, like, wearing normal clothes because he didn't have time to change in any of that. Um, also in the book, like, Hermione mentions Dumbledore's, Dumbledore's hand. Uh, and in the film, it's just, like, not mentioned at all. So no one, like, recognized that at all. And that's when, remember, they were, like, there for the feast and stuff and... She, like, mentions, like, look at his hand by his sleeve and stuff. Um, Hagrid is in the forest with Gromp in the book. And, like, um, you know, Gromp's not mentioned at all. <laughs> Just kind of throwing that out there. I didn't hear anything about Gromp. Grom sorry, not Gromp. Grop <laughs> through the entire film. He's just not even mentioned, even though you spent, like, the uh, entire 30 minutes of the last film putting him in there so i don't know why you couldn't um dumbledore's speech in the book explicitly states that voldemort is at large and advises to be careful but then like in the film like he explains that there was once a boy who attended the school to be a student like any other but it's unknown he goes by like another name like he tried to like sell it like there was once a boy almost like telling like the history or something like they wanted to give more insight into riddle but isn't that the whole point of the pensieve isn't that the whole point like i don't know why you would put that in there and then in the book you know harry like hates snape for sirius's death but in the film it's like he doesn't even like acknowledge about hating snape really until the end of the movie when you know that big like scene happens like it's like he's okay with it almost like snape is like 
in his mind the good guy for the old film or just like a neutral character like none of that hate is there and then last one i'll turn it over to you uh in the book both harry and ron uh go and get old copies of books of advanced potion making from the cabinet in the film like ron gets like the new book so i guess it was like kind of a cool ad because i guess it was trying to show like hey ron you're poor so like i'm glad you can get like a new book um so i guess that was that was okay and with that i'll i'll turn it back over to you man yeah awesome perfect that comes i'm kind of right where you left off uh uh, one thing I do want to mention right back at the Great Hall for just a second is, like, in the movie, I don't know why Hermione just kind of lost her mind that Harry wasn't there. She's like, I thought you'd be worried about where your best friend is. Like, she never did that in the novel at all. Like, that that was just something yeah. that was a little weird. But, yeah, that weird speech about Tom Riddle being a former student, that's why they're being searched. Just <laughs> a complete <laughs> ad that, like, was, was unnecessary. Like, I that, that was weird. <laughs> I, I actually thought this was pretty cool uh, with McGonagall telling Harry about being able to take potions. They did a pretty good job with that. Um, Ron and Harry fighting over that Advanced Potions book in the movie was funny. I appreciated that little thing. Like, they were just like, I want the new one. No, I want the new one. And, like, her, Ron's like, ha, ah, yeah. I got the new one. It's funny because like, even when Ron wins, he still loses because if he got the cool potions book, he would have been the potions, <laughs> like, genius. Yeah. But talking about the way the film made it seem, where, in, yeah, like you said, in the book, Harry's the one that kind of goes in the cupboard and just, like, grabs one each, and it is what it is. So I did like what they little I like that little ad that they did for that, but. Uh, yeah. I think they did a, overall a very good job with the first potions lesson in the movie. It was, for the most part, pretty spot on. Like, there was a mm-hmm. few things here and there, like little minor changes, but I think they did a really good job uh, really detailing that first potions lesson with all the different potions that were there and the winner of the, the making the Drought of Living Dead gets a Felix Felicis. Like, they did a pretty solid job over there. I thought that was cool. Yeah. One thing that they did not do well is that the fact that Crab and Goyle were in the potions class in the movie, where specifically in the novel, they didn't pass their owls. <laughs> and that's important because Snape yeah. puts them in detention, <laughs> right. meaning they couldn't help Malfoy later on because Snape had them in detention. Remember, Malfoy and Snape argue about that. Like, well, you know, if you don't put them in detention, I would have been able to have them as helpers, you know. But, so the fact that they're just in that potions class in the, in the movie is just kind of weird. But uh, also... When Harry goes to see Dumbledore for the first time in his office, Dumbledore never questions Harry about the nature of his relationship with Hermione. He's like, oh, well, I just was wondering, you know, like, what? Dumbledore's (laughs) never going to worry about the love life of his students. He's trying to, we're trying to figure out how to fight Voldemort, and Dumbledore's wondering about teenage romance? Okay. Like, get the hell out of here. He's like, I can't believe he really tried to insinuate that Harry and Hermione were an item in the, in the film like that's just something why would you add that like i guess if you want to make somebody laugh fine i made me laugh but like it's just completely inaccurate to what the novel's depiction of dumbledore is period so i thought that was ridiculous but anyways uh, the first memory shown to harry in the book was with marvelo morphine and merope like like that like there was a whole backstory of like before Tom Riddle was even born, remember it was like that that memory of the Ministry official Ogden, and like he was going there to kind of get him a hard time for using magic in front of a Muggle or on a Muggle, and like they like kind of attacked him. And that's you know the only we didn't get half of the memories that we should have gotten in the Pensieve from yeah. the novel to the film. All of a sudden, it just starts off the first Pensieve memory we see is the orphanage, the orphanage part. Like that's just there was like two memories before we even got to the orphanage one in the in the book and they decided that 
They're just going to omit them, but you can't omit them because they're super important with the detail. Because what was on Merope's neck? The necklace that happens to be a Horcrux. What was on Marvolo's finger? The damn ring that happened to be a Horcrux. You can't leave <laughs> that out. It's important to the storyline, people. So those are some really huge things I had an issue with. And um, I thought this was really dumb, too. At that flashback scene when we go to visit Tom Riddle in the orphanage, there's like a picture of the cave just hanging on the wall. What the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, like, I saw that like, too. What, why was, would there just be was, a picture of the cave on the wall? Like, number one, this is back like I don't know what fifty years ago, prior to the nineties, because like this, the, the whole thing happened in like the mid nineties. The whole uh, sequence of events for Harry Potter happened in the mid nineties. It's like nineteen ninety six right now was where Half Blood Prince took place. Yeah. And so if you're talking about 50 years before then, you're talking about in the 40s. Who's who, like, what orphanage woman <laughs> has cameras that you can take pictures of and develop them and just put a black and white picture on it? I don't know, man. I just think that was just an ad that made no sense and it was kind of silly. But I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to give the audience a foreshadow of what the cave was. So fine, I understand it. I just think it was dumb. But anyways, with that, I'll turn it back over to you, man. Yeah, the foreshadowing so bad. Yeah, it's like, very the forced. Foreshadowing is it's so very bad. very forced. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it's not a natural foreshadow. It's like they try to throw it in my face. Like I get it, man. I read the book. I promise. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> Throw myself off the astronomy tower. Ridiculous. It was like, well, thanks for ruining it for me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I really appreciate it before you even get to the school. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like you said, like. First of all, who would even want to take a picture there? Like, who would even want to take a picture? He was known for bringing Amelia Benson and all those creepy people in there. The whole idea was no one was there when they, he was doing that at the time. Otherwise, someone probably would have tried to stop him. Like, who is taking pictures? Ooh, that's nice. Ooh, that's real nice. Yeah, I don't get it either, man. Um, just like you said, uh, just as far as like the Newt's exam in the book, like you were saying in the office, like Crab and Goyle were in the potions class. In the film, like a ton of students are there, and it's supposed to be just like Harry, Ron, and Hermione that made it there, like showing uh, how many students have dwindled out, not how many people can sign out for this class. Um, in the film, Felix Felices is. Uh, clear but in the book it's gold remember and they even described um it was kind of like coming out of the like uh i guess not the potion vial but uh felix felices is actually even described as like it would kind of like leap out of the thing but never spill but it was gold which was cool not a big difference but um in the book slughorn also says the felix felices will last 12 hours but in the film, they just make it seem like it'll last forever. <laughs> and, like, why is it in the film? In the book, they drink, like, drops. And this is coming up later on, so not to bring up differences for later on. But every time someone drinks it, they, like, drain the bottle. <laughs> just, uh, down it like it's a shot, baby. Um, the House of Gaunt. Don't know. <laughs> that was never mentioned. Like, we just cut the whole thing out. <laughs> not mentioned at all. Um, I will say this about the orphanage scene. I thought Dumbledore looked pretty badass for kind of like a younger Dumbledore with like shorter hair. He looked kind of badass. Like he kind of looked like an older Sirius Black to me, like an older Sirius Black. Um, the uh, ring 
in the book is like cracked however it's just like kind of clear and intact in the film i didn't really have a problem with it just a small little thing um in the book uh harry like as far as the quidditch it was barely shown the quidditch but like he has everyone try out separately but like in quidditch in this film like everyone's just together like they didn't even really show harry in quidditch at all in this film i don't really know why and then uh hermione um i i don't know they mentioned the confundus charm but like i wrote down correct me if i'm wrong because this could be wrong but i wrote hermione doesn't use the confundus charm against cormac mclagan in the film because i didn't see it but i know like they mentioned the confundus charm at one point but she didn't use it like on mclagan at all in the film did she, she correct she me did. if i'm wrong yeah she, could be no wrong she, she did she did for sure okay. because like he I went he went to it. save the last goal and she went under her mouth and like said like confundo and then like he yanked okay. off he yanked Got off it. to the wrong way and the goal went through so she definitely did in the film i'll give them that uh, okay but, i wasn't sure yeah what that was i was just i don't know so i wrote that down but it could have been shown better <laughs> that's the difference uh, with that, I'll turn it back over to you, man. Sure. Like, so going back a little bit to like the orphanage scene, just I, Tom freaked out when his road wardrobe caught fire in the film. Where like, I mean, I'm talking about in the in the book, like, like because all his uh, worldly possessions were in there. That's what you know Harry was saying. Like, you know, he would have freaked out too. But in the film, it just showed him like kind of super chill that the wardrobe was on fire. So thought that was a little bit weird. Um, D- Dumbledore didn't tell Harry to let Slughorn collect him. Harry actually avoided Slughorn as long as possible. Remember, he kept trying, like, because like he felt bad for Ron. He kept trying to schedule yeah. Quidditch practices during these uh, events, like that Slughorn would hold. He tried to stay away from Slughorn as long as possible until like Slughorn had to corner Hermione and check Harry's schedule to make sure he could get Harry into the next, like, like the Christmas one, like. They straight up, they just decided that they're going to let Harry want to be collected by Slughorn, which just isn't factually accurate. Like, it's just not good. That's no reason to do that. <laughs> um, never asked Ron to introduce him to Hermione. That was weird. Uh, Hermione whispered a spell without her wand at Quidditch. That was the that, that was the Confundus thing. Like, she didn't have her wand on her. She whispered Confundo, and that's when she, like, like Cormac, like, ran off so like she didn't even use her wand that's probably where he got confused she didn't even use her wand she just that's she, like, what it whispered. was because i didn't know what yeah she like went to the side and yet. whispered the spell like she didn't even point her wand or use her wand like you can't you cannot use a spell without a wand or else why would dumbledore at the end without his <laughs> wand just let draco and all like the people do that like he didn't have his wand like if you can just use spells without a wand what the fuck's the point uh that was the dumbest thing that they probably could have added is making it look like hermione could do a spell without a wand so if you guys don't want to know want to know where that is, that's the very first scene with Quidditch in, in the film. <laughs> Go back and check that out because it was stupid. Um, yeah, that's what threw me off then because I didn't see. That's what it was. She like whispered something, so I knew I saw something. I just had no idea. She didn't use her wand. <laughs> like I didn't she just straight up didn't use her wand, which is like impossible. So wonderful. Anyways, uh, <laughs> like I thought it was weird that like in the movie. It just jumped to Sectum Sempra in the book. Like, uh, like they went through a few of this. Pri- the the uh, like <laughs> there was other spells that they went for before they got to Sectum Sempra from the prince's like advanced co- potions. There was like Levicorpus, like where it hangs up by the ankles. 
There was like the toenail one where it makes your toenails go through your shoe. Like there was a bunch of other spells that the in the novel that was detailed from the Half Blood Princess book before it got to Sectumsempra. Sectumsempra was like more towards the end, right before like shit hit the fan mm-hmm. towards the climax. Where here in the yeah. film, it just was like one of the very first things you see when you open that advanced potion making book. It made no sense. So, anyways. Also, they did not stalk Slughorn to the three broomsticks in Hogsmeade. They're like, they like, make it like, he's like, oh, let's follow Slughorn. Let's go. Let's, you guys fancy a drink at the three broomsticks? That just didn't happen. And that, ugh. <laughs> then also, this is probably the biggest mistake that they made for a very important scene. In the movie, they made Katie Bell wear finger gloves, meaning that her bare fingers were shown. And in the book, they specifically state that there was a minuscule hole in her glove, and the necklace barely brushed the smallest bit of her skin. The issue with her fingers showing in the movie is that the necklace would have killed her if if they would have done it in the book how they did it in the movie. So, because they yeah. even said, like, if she would have even grabbed it with a bare hand, it would have killed her. There was a tiny, tiny hole that it barely brushed the smallest bit of skin. But in the movie, she holds it in her hands with, like, her fingers touching it. Like, full fingers touching it. That can't happen. That would have killed her. That's a big fuck-up. You can't mm-hmm. do that. It, uh, <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's a really true. big issue. And in the book, Katie Bell's friend tells McGonagall that she doesn't know who Katie was trying to deliver the necklace to. But in the movie, they just jumped straight to Dumbledore. She's like, yeah, she was trying to bring it to Dumbledore. Like, no. She said like she wouldn't tell you where she was delivering the necklace to. That's a huge issue because all of a sudden, now you already know from the beginning, and if, you're, if we're going by the film's rendition of bullshit, that right now we already know Dumbledore's a target. Where in the book, it led up to it. In the book, it made you think, like, wonder who that necklace was meant for. Like, you know, it didn't just give us an answer right away. It, like, led us. It added the suspense to it. It made it intriguing. But the film's like, nope, we're just going to tell you Dumbledore's a target right away, baby. Let's go. So, thought that was dumb. And with that, man, I'll, I'll pass it back over to you. Yeah, no. Uh, I got to say this, though. As far as, like, Katie Bell, of course, I thought it was described way better in the book. But it was cool watching it on screen. Like, she was, like, tossed back and forth like a rag doll the snow was there it was like visually stunning with the snow however she looked like a child when she was in there didn't she kind of look like a child She's like ah! and she looked like she was 12 years old i don't really know why but I, I thought it was cool to see but when has katie bell looked like she was 12 like i don't i don't know but all right like and she's she older Quidditch. come on she's now. older than harry she's in her final year at hogwarts she's in her seventh year yeah, but she looked like a little girl. Like I, I don't know. It was weird. It was it was cool seeing. I mean, that's where you get all the famous gifts from of like the rag doll with the girl with the jacket going side to side. But I felt like they put more emphasis on her hair going everywhere than the fact that she was actually cursed. But um uh just a couple little small things here. So Ron actually meets Slughorn at Honeydukes and uh in the film, it's moved to actually the three broomsticks. Um, in the film, Ginny, Dean, and Malfoy are in the three broomsticks, but in the book, they're actually in uh, Putty Foot's tea shop. In the book, uh, Slughorn finds Harry at Honeydukes and invites him to that third party. Uh, in the film, like it was like Slughorn had like one big party 
or like two parties two two maybe with the one with sanguini and then you had the other one where they were all eating the ice cream which we'll talk about later i thought it was cool because my girl hermione <laughs> she made uh, the dentist comment that i thought was cool but um speaking of hermione like uh hermione like appears like to be tipsy or something like she was like getting drunk or something in the three broomsticks i don't know um i guess that was in. i maybe that was in like i guess that was in like maybe the book i but in the book like hagrid takes katie bell to the castle in the film like that like doesn't happen like hagrid doesn't make an appearance like half at all in this film harry doesn't meet tonks and madungus fletcher at hogsmeade um in the film and also in the book um in the book remember um they were like crying when they told mcgonagall like what happened in the film and this is leanne like she's like super calm also in the film like snape explains like for some reason he like levitates the necklace and he goes ah katie's lucky to be alive like in the book it's harry that's telling mcgonagall like how he followed draco and is like blaming draco for all this stuff but snape's like examining the necklace so just little small things um catching up to you just real quick because uh, this is where um as far as uh you know the orphanage um miss cole talking about tom riddle is omitted in the book uh miss cole like pronounces dumbledore's name like she has trouble saying it like she said like dumbledore and dumberton um in the film she's like super smart i guess so she just said it correctly it's not really a big deal uh, but <laughs> tom uh ask whether like his father was a wizard and like in the book that well so like um as far as like his mother and father and stuff like tom was like asking whether his father was a wizard and, like none of this is ever mentioned um in the book and then in felix felix's when we go into that chapter hermione in the book notice harry like slipped in the felix bc felix's and ron's drink and this is a big one in like the film it was luna so like i don't know why they decided to give that to luna i guess they're trying to kind of build up her character more and i think luna's cool but i didn't really see why they did that um, and of course like in the book the weather of the first quidditch match is really clear but in the film i guess for visuals they made it snow like i don't know i thought that was cool <laughs> i didn't see why you had to do that but it was like pouring snow and they showed like a few scenes of ron saving goals being the stud but no one ever caught like the snitch like we don't see who wins there's no commentator at all for the entire game we did see luna's like lion head thing finally which actually came up in the last book but we're finally seeing it now uh so that's cool they finally brought that in there but why would you even show like 10 seconds of a quidditch match i guess just to praise ron but you don't show like anything else but okay and with that back to you man so i guess those aren't that important but at the same time it's just annoying 
I would say. I would say a couple of those are important, especially like uh, Luna being the one that notices Harry puts something, well, pretended to put something mm-hmm. in Ron's drink. That's for sure something that needs to be notated. There's a couple things I wanted to make corrections on to what you said, too. Um, Hagrid absolutely was in the film, and he's the one who did pick up Katie Bell and sold. But the thing that I didn't like what they did with Hagrid at that point in time in the film was when Hagrid told Harry not to touch it with his hands as if Hagrid knew what the hell it was. Like, Hagrid would have no idea what the necklace okay. was. So, like, like you know, that thought that was silly that they made Hagrid be like, oh, don't touch it with your hands, though, Harry. I know what that is. Hey, hey, yeah, no, like, Hagrid's, mm-hmm. like, Hagrid's a lovable, like, goofy guy. You know what I mean? He's not, in, like... He's not. No one would consider him like an, an Albert Einstein or like a master of dark objects who knows stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of silly that they made Hagrid just assume like, "Hey, I know you can't touch that with your bare hands, okay?" Like, no. Also, Harry did not follow Malfoy anywhere in Hogsmeade. Actually, Malfoy was not in Hogsmeade in the book. That's one of the issues because right here on page two fifty five of Silver and Apples, what is more, said Professor McGonagall with an air of awful finality, Mister Malfoy was not in Hogsmeade today. How do you know, Professor? Because he was doing okay, detention with go. me. So literally, Malfoy wasn't even in, in the in the novel. Malfoy wasn't even in Hogsmeade when that whole Katie Bell situation happened. He was in detention with Professor McGonagall. So the film did fuck up though, because the film did show Malfoy in the Three Broomsticks. So like that was a difference. It's just yeah. that even in the novel, Malfoy wasn't there, and, and Harry wasn't following him. But uh, the other thing too is. In the novel, Snape wasn't even in the room with McGonagall when they're talking about the necklace. Like, that happened, that's just a complete fabrication that the film brought up. They've just brought Snape in there to stand with Professor McGonagall and look at the necklace. Like, he wasn't actually there when they gave the story of what happened to Katie Bell. He was, in, in the novel, and in the actual sequence of events, he was not present. Um, yeah. Also, that, that first meet... About- Go ahead. Yeah. What I was saying was, as far as, remember when he was telling McGonagall, like he thought Draco brought it in or something. Didn't he say something like that? Well, there I remember ex- when he went to McGonagall, he was like accusing him though. Yeah, he definitely accused him. The like book. they were talking about, he told him his suspicions, but I'm saying like he, ne- like, he never followed Malfoy in Hogsmeade is what I'm saying. Um, oh, gotcha. Well, okay, so he didn't follow him, but he was mentioning him. He, yeah, he, he definitely, he definitely accused Malfoy of uh, being the one who gave yeah. Katie the necklace, and that's when we find out that Malfoy wasn't even in Hogsmeade, which kind of makes it even worse for the Ooh. film because the film showed Malfoy clearly in the Three Broomsticks, which just didn't happen, so yeah. that was just another <laughs> fuck-up on the film's part. Um, in terms of like the next thing I have, I have like that meeting, that Slughorn meeting, like the, that, it was halfway through the movie when it was actually supposed to happen on the Hogwarts Express. Obviously, minus Hermione, Hermione wasn't supposed to be there. But like the whole Marcus Belby thing and how like he was eating the pheasants and had like it was like full stuff. Like I don't know my I haven't my my father doesn't talk to my uncle like that anymore, so I have no idea what's going on. And like all of that <laughs> was supposed to happen on the Hogwarts Express. They just decided to move it to this middle of the film and add Hermione there. It was very very strange. And then, like, that was weird. Like, when Ginny entered, Harry just, like, stood up. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> that was very, very oh, weird. Um, but then, like, when Harry and Slughorn are talking, Harry never asked Slughorn if Tom Riddle made the shelf. I don't know what the fuck that was about. Um, then, <laughs> like, when you were talking about the... Uh, well, actually, right before that, Ron, Hermione and Ron had an argument in Herbology about Slughorn's party where Ron blew up and told her to just go hook up with McLaggen. And then Hermione told Ron that she was going to ask him. But in the movie, 
it was so chill and lame right before Quidditch. Like, they were just like, oh, I'm going to take you. And Ron's like, oh, okay. Like, remember there was a big old fight in Quidditch? Like, in, in Herbology, I mean? Like, yeah. they were, like, that was where yeah. the Snargluff pods came in. And Harry's, like, trying to get away from me. He's, like, trying not to listen to their argument. And he's trying to crush the pod and all that. But, like, nope. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that, like, like, there was a whole fight. They had a whole fight. Because that was a first, like, not first foreshadow. But that was a big foreshadow of kind of the relationship. How Ron was, like, no, I would not want you to hook up with McLag. And, well, that, they just left that whole... <laughs> little divisiveness out. It's very silly, but uh, yeah, Ron in the movie told Harry that he was going to resign before the first match, which is false. Like Ron was going to resign after uh, he was like poor, performing poorly in practice and punching teammates in the face and shit. Like that's like that's what happened in the novel is that he was doing so poorly in practice that he hit Demelza Robbins in the mouth. And like Ron's like, and then Harry's like, well, listen, man, if you keep treating the team like this, I'm gonna have to kick you out of the team. And Ron's like, well, I'll just resign. <laughs> Where in the movie, it just makes yeah. him seem like he's gonna resign because he's nervous to play, which just that's not true. Like, right. Very silly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And what you're talking about too, it was Luna in the movie who noticed Harry putting something in Ron's drink. Where in the book, it's Hermione. So I don't know why we're just giving Luna these weird like 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 scenes where she didn't actually do what the book had depicted, but. Apparently we're gonna give Luna some limelight now. Great, awesome. <laughs> uh, the Quidditch, the Quidditch match against Slytherin didn't even show Harry getting the snitch or him being involved in the Quidditch match at all. Like it was just Ron making saves. Yeah. Uh, the this is a minor difference. This is one of them silly ones I probably should have left off, but I just decided to add it to. Like Hermione was like in another room, not at the bottom of the stairs with the Canaries when one when when Ron and Lavender walked in. Like when they like when Harry went down to talk to her and she's like, "How does yeah. it feel when you feel with Ginny when you see her with Dean?" <laughs> like that that was all silly. That yeah, never happened. Yeah. But anyways, it was like down the stairs and like that's where Ron and Lavender went down and they saw her. Where like in the novel they're actually in a different room. They were behind a door and they opened the door and it was like they're all there and that's when she mm-hmm. saw the canary. So that was something minor. But anyways, yeah. Um, Harry never proposed to go to Slughorn's party with Hermione as friends in the book. Remember, like, they were in the library, and she's like, well, I thought we could go as friends. That just didn't happen. Um, never mentions Ron and Hermione are <laughs> prefix at all in the movie. That That's just something that was left off. I know I mentioned it in terms of the compartment, but they just don't even bring it up at all during that point in time where it, it just... It, you can't leave these big, <laughs> these big issues out of it. Um, <laughs> Harry was never enjoying the attention of being the chosen one like it shows in the movie. Like you saw, like like the love with the love potion and Ramil Devane, like he was really nervous about all the attention. Like in the movie, it's like he's like smiling, like yeah, I'm the chosen one, yeah. Like yeah. like in the book, it's like he really hated all that attention, and like he was very nervous of the fact that Ramil Devane was trying to like slip him the love potion. Where it's almost like he, it looked like he enjoyed the attention the way the film made it yeah. seem. So I thought that was a little weird. Uh, but this one is this is all fucked up. I know you like this one, the Slughorn's Christmas party, but I thought it was a big mess. <laughs> So Lagorn's Christmas Party is all <laughs> fucked great. up in the movie. Apparently, Cormac McLaggen pukes yeah. on Snape in the movie, which made zero sense. I thought it was like, funny. I thought it was a good. And then, like, like remember, like he puked on Snape, and then Snape like gives Cormac McLaggen a month's worth of detention. <laughs> yeah. Why is that weird. stupid? I'll tell you guys why that's stupid. That same line he used to Cormac McLaggen could have been used later on in a future difference we're going to talk about when Harry uses that curse on Malfoy yeah. and makes Harry do a detention mm-hmm. every Saturday until the end of the term, which would have been about a month. You could have saved it for when it actually happened, but no, they just left that yeah. part of Harry's detentions with Snape out, and we're just going to give a month's worth of detention to McLagan for puking on Snape's shoe? 
Why? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, uh, Snape didn't tell Harry that Dumbledore write, wrote Harry a happy holidays and that he's traveling. Because that's that was a really silly thing to add because Snape would never be one to foreshadow what Dumbledore is doing. He, he's always like trying to keep Harry in the dark about stuff. Don't, he, he doesn't want Harry to think he's more important than Harry really is. He's always the one to kind of tear down Harry. So the fact that he would kind of give that secret code is just not something that Snape would do. That was just a full fabrication that makes no sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> with that, dude, I'll turn it back over to you because I just I had a big issue with the Slughorn's Christmas party. Like there was there were so many things that were supposed to happen in there that didn't happen, and the things that did happen were added for no reason. <laughs> so yeah, was Sanguini no, in it? No, he wasn't in it. He wasn't in it at all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, as far as... I guess he might be in, like, a deleted scene or something, because I saw an image where they had, like, I guess did the scene, but I guess they cut it and, like, just chose not to put it in there. But um, going back to Snape for just a minute with the Katie Bell thing, I do want to say it was... I liked Alan Rickman, like, his portrayal, though. It was pretty cool. Remember, he was, like, looking at uh, Harry, and Harry was, like... I just know. And he was like, you just know. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. I didn't really see the point of why they had to do that, but it was interesting. Also, like, Snape in the film, like, not going into later on, but remember, like, when he like, puts his finger to his Like, he's almost, like, dancing around Harry a bit or, like, cautious or trying to, like, take in the whole situation. Going back to Secumcimpra, like when Harry casts that spell, remember he just like doesn't say anything. Like in the film, there's this whole thing where he like questions him and all this stuff with the book. He's got to run back and go get the book. In the film, he was just like, <laughs> he was like stunned. He used his own spell, and also it's like it almost like half the battle didn't even happen. Like I I don't know if Harry like hit like a plumbing pipe in the wall, but for some reason there was steam all in the bathroom. I don't really was it was like flooding or something when Malfoy was laying there. I don't know exactly why there was steam, but it looked like a sauna or something was going on in there. I don't really know what the deal was. I I just let it go. I was like, all right, cool. Um. Jump in just for a second real quick, and then we'll get to that Christmas party, though, where that was. Um, as far as real quick for Circumcentra, I will say that scene, though, that was badass when he was, like, laying there with the blood was, like, just coming out of him. That was cool, but I felt like the really cool part when he got hit with the spell in the novel that reminded me of, like, Trunks and Dragon Ball Z cutting Frieza in half, like, none of that was there. He was just automatically on the ground because we got to see the bathroom wall and the steam it was like so cloudy which apparently they can put like cloudy steam in here but we can't put that in any of like slughorn's memories just i'll let you take that later on <laughs> anyways uh so uh ramilda vane is introduced but doesn't speak to madam uh pence at all and is not present in the film at all um, in the book, you know, Harry invites Luna to Slughorn's party. In the film, he makes the offer to Hermione, like you were saying. So I don't know what that was really about. But then he meets with Luna following that uh, in the film. 
Uh, there's also less conversation, just like you were saying, between Draco and Snape, like when he removed him from the party. So I felt like half of that was just cut out entirely. Like they had the vomit thing, and then Harry doesn't even go follow them, like at all, trying to figure out what's going on. He does. He does. Uh, okay, he does. He kind of like looks into it, but like you were saying, it was like I don't know what the. It was just like very choppy is what i would say like a lot of it was cut um and then i'm all the way up to the burrow so i'll let you go back and try to catch up from there but i thought you hit the stuff at the <laughs> we'll wait until we get to the uh slughorn part with hermione eating dessert <laughs> with everyone in there when jenny just busting out of nowhere <laughs> yeah but it's all you man i'll let you take it from there a very frosty christmas yeah i mean i'm, I'm at the same spot that you are right now at home for christmas in the borough um i thought this is something that you cannot leave out of the film in the novel lupin mentions that he's been living underground with the werewolves on a mission like they just didn't mention that at all in the film you need to that's huge that's really big for this second wizarding war like what in the world Mm -hmm. arthur in the film says dumbledore traveling is news to the ministry which is very false because the ministry has been on Dumbledore's ass trying to figure out where he goes when he leaves the school. So you can't say like this is news to the ministry because it's not. Dumbledore even says the ministry has been very, very uh, actively trying to figure out where he has been going. They've been very intrusive. Remember he said they tried to have that guy dollish follow him and he had to jinx him again? Like obviously yeah. the ministry knows he's going somewhere so why why even add that line why lie i don't get it like why would jesus just that's no reason to add it um arthur also never came up with this theory that malfoy was interested in the vanishing cabinet like he's like i, I walked in there and you know we think what malfoy was interested in was in the vanishing cabinet what the fuck? <laughs> like that's not true at all <laughs> arthur basically wait in the in the novel Arthur basically brushes anything that Harry says about Malfoy under the rug. He's like, listen, Harry, like I know you how you are about him and Snape. I'm telling you right now, nothing to worry about. But in the film, they're like, Arthur's like, yeah, even they're, they're interested in Borgen and Burke's It's the Vanishing Cabinet. Like, that's so stupid. Uh, it's literally the opposite in the book. Arthur said there was nothing he could find to tie Malfoy to anything incriminating. That's exactly what Arthur's words were. He could not find anything... That he could, there was nothing he could find to tie Malfoy to anything incriminating, but apparently the film says, "Ooh, man, that vanishing cabinet." I know Malfoy is after that in Borgen and Burks. So that's just really, really poor writing. And that's actually how I really feel about that. It's terrible. On top of what happens at Christmas too, apparently Tonks is already dating Lupin. They're holding hands. <laughs> They're holding hands at dinner time. Like she calls him sweetheart. And I, I even I made sure I mentioned this at 1 hour, 17 minutes, and 17 seconds of the film, that's where she calls him Sweetheart. That's where Lupin, or Tonks calls Lupin Sweetheart. So apparently Lupin and Tonks are dating at Christmas time, according to the film. Thanks a lot, you fucking idiot. Anyways, <laughs> uh, like where in the book, the fact that he's been denying her advances is why she was depressed. All book. That's why it's an idiotic thing to do, is because that it ruins a whole storyline and character arc of somebody throughout this novel. Yeah, her, him denying her advances is exactly why she's depressed and going through these trials internally throughout the entire novel. But according to the film, they're just happy as can be at Christmas time. Cool, awesome. <laughs> then 
this is something I have a huge issue with. Like, it was so cool to see on screen, cool, yay, but when it comes to... (laughs) One of my favorite parts, actually. But when it comes to just telling the story of what happened in the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, the novel where you're basing this film off of, why? This is all I want to know is why this happens. Bellatrix apparently in the film just fucking shows up at the burrow. Uh, this scene quite literally never happens in the in the novel, but it's completely made up. Like the the directors and the writers made this scene up. It looked cool. It's just not at all factual. <laughs> like remember the reason why this ties in and why it's important because not only like do they start running through the bushes like there's that ring of fire that only Harry can pass through until Ginny passes through it too. Like it was a whole mess of a situation. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they were trying to prove other than making it seem that oh we can draw fire really awesome in movies. Like I don't really know what the deal was, but uh, apparently Fender Greyback shows up too uh, and stares down Ginny. Apparently, Ginny and Harry go back to back and just duel Death Eaters and on the Burroughs property. Uh, you know, the reason why that's an issue and why I can't just chalk it up to, oh, they added that and it's cool, is because it literally contradicts what was said in the novel when Dumbledore took Harry to the broom shed. He said, hey, going wandering off would be doing the Weasley family a big disservice because they've had to put up with a lot of inconveniences because the Ministry has placed every single protection available to them on the Burrow. Yeah. So, like, if they're going to put every so protection available on the burrow, how the hell are Death Eaters going to show up and just destroy the shit out of it? I don't understand <laughs> how you can make that a part of this film. Did it look cool on screen? Sure. Should it have been put there? Absolutely not. Like, it was just not... It was really silly. So, with that, man, I'll turn it back over to you and give your thoughts on that same thing, because I'm sure you got some things to say about it, too. Like... <laughs> As far as that scene goes, you're you're entirely right. Like, why? Like, what was the purpose of showing up there? Like, if that's the case, if they just showed up because Harry's there, why didn't they go show up and destroy the Dursleys' house? Like, please explain. He was there for years. So I don't know why. Kind of backtracking just a little bit to mention some good little moments of the the film, and then we'll dive back into it. Just... Back at that Slughorn party, remember when they were eating the ice creams? I did love, like I said, when Hermione was like, my parents work on people's teeth. And it was like, Slughorn was like, interesting. He was like, oh, yeah. Hmm. It's like, he was almost like, I don't know if he was incompetent or something, but when was Slughorn ever like that, though? I will say that. Like, I liked the scene, but it was like he was incompetent or something. He's like, mm, what is a dentist? I, I don't know. Um, even though he lived away from Hogwarts for years and they had to go find him and he's a potions expert. I don't know. Um, Lavender said at one point, like, good luck today, Ron, before the Quidditch match and Remember, Hermione's, like, disgusted, and she's, like, brilliant. So I thought it was a kind of a cool ad. You know, Emma Watson's pretty awesome. Uh, as far as uh, just a couple little other things. Um, so as far as there's... I thought the apple scene was cool, but it was kind of... I don't know what he was muttering. Remember when you were talking about, like, the vanishing cabinets? Like, the apple... the that was like eaten half <laughs> like part of the apple was bitten out out of the vanishing cabinets but he was like muttering something and it said Hermione Nector Passus I don't know what that is was that ever in the book? No 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, it wasn't <laughs> he was like book. muttering that. Yeah, there was no, there was no things to show because like that's the whole point. It was trying to suspenseful. Like, what is Malfoy doing? Like when you're when you're reading the book, but like the movie just kind of shows the progression of the vanishing cabinet. How you know he put a whole apple in there and it showed out like a happy apple. He's muttering weird shit. Then the bird scene happens with the bird in the vanishing cabinet. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, I guess the <laughs> film was trying to show us the progression of how Malfoy was coming along with the task that was given to him by Voldemort. That's the only thing I could think of. But no, to answer your question directly, it did not happen in the book. <laughs> like, okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I was trying to even look. At, I was like, I don't remember this at all. Like maybe I was just asleep. I don't know where this shit was. Um, the train scenes. I thought the train scenes were gorgeous. Even in the beginning with, like, the fields, like, all, like, classic Harry Potter trains, but now with the snow? Because I guess the director felt like it needed to snow the entire fucking year. Like, I don't know why. But, yeah, the train scenes were great in the snow, so I wrote that down. Um, but also remember Lavender, when she, like, goes, she like breathes on the window and puts R plus L and then like <laughs> does like the love thing with Ron and he's like annoyed by it. I thought that was an interesting little lad. I thought it was adorable. I thought she played Lavender. Um, Lavender, the catch is like Lavender is not really like that in the book. Like she is, but she's not really like that. Like I felt like she the attempt for the director was to make Lavender like obnoxiously obsessed and annoying and she's not really like that it's just ron is an ass is what it really is in the book um so here we are back to where we were i put it was emotional but epic it was so badass to watch the like house was on fire you had jenny and harry like taking on the children of the corn <laughs> in the middle of the cornfield. Like, I don't know why. Jenny had just gotten out of the shower or something. It was like in a room, like her hair was soaking wet. They were casting stupefies everywhere. For some reason, like Arthur and Molly, two of the greatest witches and wizards ever that are in the world. Whoa, of the whoa, Phoenix, whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Let's not give Mr. and, Weez- Mr. and Mrs. Weezy that much credit. <laughs> two of the greatest wizards. Let's real. Okay, let's relax right. I let's relax that. on that that was some hyperbole for your ass bro <laughs> uh, well Arthur you know he helped him out in the Quidditch World Cup but then Molly uh, has a big scene next book trying to give him a little golly. bit of benefit of the doubt but point is like where the fuck is everybody like who was in the burrow and then you just got Harry and Jenny it's like uh, it's, it was almost like the Wolverine, remember Wolverine Origins, where he goes back to back with Sabretooth, they're like, back to back! And they're taking on the fucked up Deadpool that fucked up the franchise and they're fighting everything one-on-one because the children of the corn are coming out from everywhere. And then finally you have, like, the two bosses. I felt like this shit should have been in a video game. You got Bellatrix the Strange. I killed Sirius Black! I killed Sirius Black! Okay, it's been almost... It's been years. It's been... It's been... Not years. It's been months now. I'm sure you've killed lots of things. No one cares. No one cares what you did. We know that was your claim to fame. 
but all right. But then you had Finger of Greyback, never made an appearance since fucking Adam. Just like, shoots up out of nowhere, pulls the saber tooth, like in the original X-Men, when he pops out with Rogue in the snow. It's like, I'm Finger Greyback. All right, Van Helsing. But then you have those two, like, fighting back-to-back. I thought it was cool, the whole back-to-back scene, and they're, like, in the swamp. I was ready for some Inferi to pop out of the swamp. That probably would have made it a little bit more intriguing to me and cool. That would have been a really awesome foreshadowing. Might as well go ahead and reveal the entire ending because you already mentioned falling off the astronomy tower and never coming back to school, so why not, right? Why not? But to your point... And I gotta give this to Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Strange was perfect. Like, if this scene actually made sense and was in the book, I feel like she would have played it down to a T, because that is something Bellatrix, like, how she acts, that is something she would do. But to your point, it made absolutely no sense. <laughs> Why would they go there for no reason at all? Makes no sense. Why would Bellatrix ever keep bringing up I killed Sirius Black really makes no sense when it was months ago and I'm sure she's killed lots of people. She was fucking locked up well, in Azkaban thought, for torturing Neville. The thought parents. process behind that is that she was trying to get a rise out of Harry to get Harry to chase her down and get him outside the protection of the okay. burrow. Which, like, yeah, if yeah, that okay. happened in the book, if this scene was happening, like, yeah, it would have made sense. But, like, like I mentioned, like this is it just didn't happen, and it couldn't happen based on what we learn in the book about the protection the bro was given. It was just a, it was completely made up. <laughs> like it was just, it was just like here, guys, have some fun with this. Like take some liberties here, and just see what we can do with Bellatrix. Let's see if we can make her seem even cooler. Like what? <laughs> like I don't know, man. I did feel like I had a little Game of Thrones vibe when it was burning. I felt like Daenerys was going to pop out of that burrow. <laughs> and they're like, bend the knee. <laughs> it's really just Bellatrix the Strange walks out of the burrow with the dark mark. <laughs> bend the knee, bitches. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, I got to say, like, it was cool to watch. It was really awesome to watch. Honestly, like, it was one of my favorite scenes to visually watch. But they had Michael Bay syndrome. Like, I felt like they did that whole scene just to burn down the Weasley's house. <laughs> just to burn their house down. Um, and with that, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you, man. That's really all I can say about it was it was cool to watch, but it made absolutely no sense. If it did anything, I... Uh, yes, it, I'm sure it probably got some new followers if you had never seen Harry Potter before and just saw this in theaters and was like, oh, it's a wizard movie. <laughs> but it made absolutely no sense. If anything, it really should have just hurt their case <laughs> for this entire film. <laughs> with that, back to you, man. Yeah, to kind of stick with where we're at at the burrow here, they just decided that they were going to leave out Rufus Scrimmageur showing up. And remember, because he tried to get Harry to support yeah. the Ministry, and when Harry refuses, Scrimmageur tries to ask where Dumbledore goes when he leaves school. So they just decided to admit all of that, like, like he, because he showed up with Percy, and Percy had talked to the Weasleys for like years because of like the lie, like like all the shit happened last year with the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. So he took the Ministry side. Percy did, and so like. In the book, it was a big moment because Percy shows up at the burrow for the first time for Christmas, but he really did so on Scrimmager's orders, so Scrimmager could kind of trap Harry into talking to him alone outside and seeing if he would support the Ministry. Well, in the, in the film, they just didn't want to put that in there. Apparently, that was not important enough for them. So, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, 
I will say, uh, going back now, because now what I have, following that little scene that they left off without putting Rufus Scrimmager there at Christmas, we're back at Hogwarts now, where we got, like, Slughorn's memory. We only really have, like, the Orphanage memory, then all of a sudden Slughorn's memory are the only two memories that really play any sort of role in the film, which is really silly, because the whole point of the Pen Steve is to give a backstory of Voldemort, what, why he came from where he is, who he is, and what the sequence of events that led him to becoming, you know, who he finally is and with all the pieces of him but regardless the memory is just a bit off i remember like there were some lines that were kind of important that they just didn't say in the film i thought that was interesting but also in the movie like it kind of like blurts like it, like not blurts like it it takes the sound away when he says the word horcruxes in the film where in the book, it does just mention Horcruxes. They just don't know what it is. Like, Harry doesn't know what a Horcrux is, and Dumbledore doesn't tell him. So, like, it's like almost how, you know, on the old show Cops, where they didn't want to see the, the, the perpetrator's faces. It would blur the faces out. Well, it kind of blurred the voice out of when he brought up Horcruxes. Like, like, like it did that sort of deal. And I guess was that great. was the whole deal of them trying to hide the true memory is uh, not even knowing the word Horcrux and... So I guess that's what the film was trying to do, but just in terms of following the sequence of events, actually you do know what the word Horcrux is. The word Horcruxes is stated before we get the final memory and know a little bit more about them. All that happened in terms of what he took away from the memory, in terms of altering it, Slughorn changed it to where uh, he says, you'll go wrong, boy, mark my words. He, he made that alteration to his memory, then he made the second alteration saying like, I don't know what Horcruxes are, and I, if I, even if I did, I would never tell you. You know, those were like the two things that Slughorn actually did say in the novel, but apparently they, they didn't think that was important to film. They just wanted to blurt out the word Horcruxes so you couldn't hear that, and that was apparently the big, the big aha moment is when he finally got the memory and the word Horcruxes appeared. Apparently that was the big thing in the film, which is just stupid. But regardless, anyways, I digress. Um, the, I digress. <laughs> the, 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 the love potion cauldron cakes were not just left on Harry's bed. Ramilda Vane actually gave them to Harry. Harry put them in his trunk, and on Ron's birthday, Harry checked the Marauder's map trying to find Malfoy and throws the cakes on his bed where Ron mistakenly thinks that they are a gift and eats them. That's what actually happened in the book. Where in the uh, in the film, he's just like, oh, there's cauldron cakes on your bed. Uh, like, no. Like, it's like they didn't even really make a point to realize it's Ron's birthday. It was almost like it was a whole other day. Because remember, like, Ron was opening presents. Like, oh, I got myself a watch. I should come of age every single year. This is amazing. All these great presents. Great haul. But, like, it was just like he <laughs> sat there and grabbed cauldron cakes and ate them. There was no reason for it. It just... <laughs> It just kind of threw it in there. Um, last thing I had before I turn it back over to you is, in the book, Ron actually punches Harry when Harry laughs at him about his uh, love for Amilda Vane, where in the film, yeah. he, like, throws something at Harry. <laughs> like, he just throws, like, throws, like, something there. So I thought it was interesting. Anyways, uh, and with that, man, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and take it kind of from there. But those are some of the bigger ones that I, I had noticed that I wanted to detail. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, just catching up with you just for a minute here. So uh, going back to right before they leave the burrow. So I did notice like Tonks's hair is like cut and shorter. Uh, also is like normal color, which, you know, that was never explained in the film, which in the book, that's supposed to be a big thing because she's grieving 
like the whole loss of Sirius and uh, we find out later really why it was um, but then the film omits that they also like omit like a lot of details about Fenrir Greyback and the conversation with Lupin just like you were saying um, the as far as the film goes um, so while like Ron gets like the necklace from Lavender at the school instead of like Christmas um, he had like a gold arrow like through it or something like that that was given to him so just a small thing not really important also Celestina Warback she was not mentioned at all there was no hot cauldron of hot strong love in there <laughs> a cauldron of hot strong love I know that's one of Jay Nelly's favorites he gave us a whole single oh. on that a few episodes oh. ago uh, um <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was one of my favorites. I was like, man, we got a Christmas movie and there's no cauldron of hot, strong love. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, let's see. So there is, uh, as far as uh, Jenny and Harry, like I was saying, it's like they're trying to give. Remember, they had that whole like romantic scene almost in the burrow. Where she goes like, like tie a shoe. What? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah and then yeah just like you said and then ron like sits in the middle with some pies <laughs> he's like he wants some pie i i don't know it's strange that never happened um in the film like tonks even calls like lupin a sweetheart at that's some what point. i said yeah. this is never revealed at all in the Dude, book this early i put the exact time for so. people to go back and put it up on the thing so if you guys want to see where she calls him sweetheart it's one hour 17 minutes and 17 seconds into harry potter and the half blood prince so you guys will see that we're not just making this shit up apparently they're dating already when this is supposed to be something that saves for the end so yeah i i was i was really thrown off by it i was like what <laughs> like i i was like i had to do a double take i was like did she just say what i thought she just said <laughs> like all right um so then also uh so the memory of gaunt half house of voldemort like we said you mentioned like that's entirely omitted that's not even there um there's no mention of tom riddle killing his family in the film like you said uh i mentioned earlier and you said like the memory is like when they look at slughorn's memory like there's no clouds there i did want to bring this up though like why the fuck is the memory all green like why does the director have the need to like make everything green was it like to put like show it was in the past like a pensive sort of thing like it was emitting from the cauldron in the cave like i don't really understand what the deal was but did you notice that, like, with the scene with Tom Riddle and Slughorn? Like, the fucking shit. Like, I felt like I put on 3D green glasses. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why was this necessary at all? Um, there, going to birthday surprises, there was no apparition lessons from Willie Twycross at all. He's not even mentioned. They don't even know who that is. That character never exists, according to that universe. Um, in the book... I remember Ron and Lavender break up due to Lavender seeing Ron and Hermione like calming down from the boys dormitory not from seeing like Harry due to him like hiding under an invisibility cloak and all this stuff happens and that kind of takes us into where we were like kind of jumping uh it goes into remember in the book he even says when he's under that love potion like <laughs> 
get out the way. Like, I'm trying to see Ramilda Vane. <laughs> like, that never happens in the film. That would have been so great to see on film. Like, he was like, Harry's going to show me Ramilda Vane. <laughs> so I thought that was, like, super great. But that never happens. Um, and it was like... So... In the film, I do want to say this, though. I got to give him credit. It was cool seeing, like, the white and the convulsions from Ron. Like, I thought they visually played that part well, where he was, like, seizuring up and stuff. Like, I thought they played that down to the T with, like, the foaming at the mouth where he was poisoned. Um, this isn't big. I just felt like I should mention it. In the film, Slughorn calls Ron... Wimby in the book it's actually Ralph he keeps getting his name wrong it's not very big but I just figured I'd mention it um and as far as in the Quidditch scene uh like I said way back like Luna's commentary isn't there uh so this is coming up like when they play Quidditch again like the Quidditch scene with Luna's commentary was just entirely cut not to mention the entire next quidditch scene was cut so with that i'm gonna send it right back to you man yeah i'm gonna catch up with you a little bit so this is one of the biggest omissions that they could have possibly had when it comes to the one i'm going to talk about here right now they omitted the potions class about the antidotes for poisons where harry reads in the advanced potion making book about the bezor why is that? Because remember, guys, in the book, it was Hermione was like yeah. doing all those vials and figuring it out, and she's like, "Ha ha, Harry, the prince can't help you now because they don't. He's not gonna know what poisons in there. You gotta, you gotta do it like scientifically and mathematically, and and like you know dissect each you know uh, ingredient of the poison." And that's when like Harry like flips the page and it says, "Just uh, just stuff a bezoar down their throat." So you need to have that yeah. potions class to realize why Harry had the presence of mind to think about Bezor when Ron was choking and dying on that poison mead. They just left that potions class off where they learn about the antidotes to different poisons. You can't leave that out because now it just means yeah. like Harry basically like swung his hand around like, oh, let me go grab this cabinet. This looks good. I'm going to throw this down your throat and hope it works. Like, no, he would never have thought about that. You need to realize, you need to make it make, make, it make sense. Right, that you have to have it to where there's a chronological sequence of events. Of there's a reason why in the book there is a potions class talked about poisons and antidotes. The reason is is because later on Ron is going to be poisoned. Harry knows what to do because of what he learned in that potions class from the advanced potion making book. Just shoving a bezoar down their throat. You need to have that to make it make sense. That's an issue that I really have with yep. that. Um, yeah, yeah, because like he in the film he just randomly finds it and just knows what to do with it off like his top of his head. Okay, whatever. Um, going into the hospital wing when you talked about Lavender and Hermione's kind of spat that they had there, like Dumbledore wasn't there in the hospital wing in the book, and Lavender and Hermione actually never really argue with each other in the book either. The teachers don't yeah. just sit there and witness this whole thing. Like, they, <laughs> Fred and George are supposed to be there. Mr. and Mr. Weasley are supposed to show up. They didn't. They just changed that scene all around. Not that it did too much to the plot line of the story. I guess kind of important because it, that's where they decided the film was going to make Harry, I'm sorry, Ron and uh, Lavender break up. But uh, that's just, it. Th there's small things there that, that could have been changed to at least make it more accurate. I don't think that any teachers are going to sit there and listen to two teenage girls argue about Ron Weasley. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just thought that that was just so unnecessary. Uh, but then, like, Ron being in the hospital wing is important. Another thing that you're talking about with the Quidditch, where you just left off of and turned it back over to me, is that not only did they leave the Quidditch scene off and, like, talk about the Luna's commentating, but remember, like, Harry had to put Cormac McLaggen on the team. And because he did that, he was trying, like, Cormac was trying to kind of be the captain and tell people what to do and took that guy's beater club and hit the bludger and knocked Harry out. Yeah. And why that's important is not only because that scene happened in the book and they just left it off in the film, but what ends up happening yeah. is Harry ends up in the hospital wing next to Ron. And why that's important yeah. is for another thing that they left out completely when Harry decides he's going to have Creature and Dobby tail Malfoy. Because he he, he like, tells Creature to like, Creature, and then he yeah. appears, and Dobby and Creature are fighting. And the whole thing happens where he's like, hey, you guys tail Malfoy, tell me what he's up to. They just decided none of that was important in the film. I'm sorry, that's yeah, one of the biggest fucking things. You can't leave that You left all of that out. You left the Quidditch out. You left him getting hit with the bludger out. You left him in the hospital wing out. You left the, the house elves out. The house elves didn't make an appearance in this in this film. It's like, it was just very, very silly. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was really important. In book, in, in the book, uh, so, uh, the Moaning Myrtle never appears in the movie. She appears in the book. Remember, because like she's yeah. like, there's a boy that comes in here crying. He's being bullied by someone, you know. Like he's he's scared and he understands me and stuff. So like they decided that wasn't important in the film either. So, uh, yeah. And then one more thing I'll do before I turn it over to Chase is talking about that scene where I know you like it a lot when Malfoy and Harry duel out. At least I know you, I know you like it how the book portrays it. You're not necessarily a fan of how the movie did it, but yeah. Malfoy. The whole reason. Harry uses the Sectumsempra curse is because in the book, Malfoy tries to use a Cruciatus curse on him, an unforgivable curse that's a torture curse. Yeah. He tries to use that, so Harry's like, well, screw you, man. I'm going to hit you with this thing that says for enemies. Where yeah. in the film, it's just like Harry jumps to using that curse because he wanted to see what it did. Like, no, that's really not how it was supposed to go. <laughs> so, what? yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, with that being said, man, I'll let you take it uh, from there. But those are just some of the quick thoughts I had on things you can't leave out and things you can't change and tweak or else it alters the storyline. Oh, most definitely does. Uh, as far as, like, characters, like Lavender goes, I feel like they, like I was saying, they tried to make her annoying. Because remember in the hospital, the hospital wing, the whole idea was the reason she kept coming by there was not to be annoying it's because fucking Ron acted like he was asleep the whole time. In <laughs> the book, like, every time she come by, you're like, oh, I'm asleep. <laughs> like, fuck you, Lavender. And, like, the film, they tried to make it act like she was annoying. And that really wasn't, like, the whole idea. I did like this, I guess, in, like, the film. Like, Hermione stands up for Ron and was like, he's poisoned. I forget. I don't even remember exactly what she said. But she was like you nitwit or something ridiculous like that or duff daft i forgot what the word she called her but she like stood up to lavender and was like holding ron's hand but then why is it like albus dumbledore like he said like he's playing the love doctor <laughs> i can be love doctor <laughs> and he was like standing there he was like he said quote in quote he was like i think ron's well taken care of <laughs> he like moves them out of the hospital wing <laughs> he's like oh she's gonna take care of him real she's gonna treat him real well tonight <laughs> like yeah, i don't understand why does dumbledore even care why was dumbledore even in the hospital wing 
makes no sense to me. I have no idea. Like you said, they cut out the entire bludger scene where Harry got hit in the back of the head from McLagan, which really shows that conflict there, but also introduced Dobby and Creature, which here's my deal on that. Like, why would you not take advantage of that scene? You're trying to bring up Dobby in the next film. You have all these opportunities to segue introduce him slowly back from Chamber of Secrets. Even in Goblet of Fire, he was there. You can put him in a scene here and there. So then that big moment he has next film makes sense. Like, why Bro. he would save him. Almost like that... Sorry, after he, he's been in every single book since Chamber of Secrets. In Goblet of Fire, he's the one who gives Harry Gillyweed in the in the books, okay? Because the film is kind of that's the whole thing is we're kind of destroying what the film has done to Dobby's character arc. In in Goblet yeah. of Fire, he's the one that gives Harry Gillyweed for the Triwizard Tournament. In Order of the Phoenix, he's the one that tells Harry about the uh, Room of Requirement and where they can practice for the DA. And now in this book, he's telling Malfoy to figure out what Malfoy is up to. Like, he plays a big role in every single book, and they've left him out of every movie <laughs> except Chamber of Secrets. Made no sense. Makes no sense. Not to mention, I mean, Moaning Myrtle, they just forgot about her. Like, she was in Goblet of Fire, too, but... They just, like, left her out, which I, that I guess I can see more explainable because she doesn't play as prominent a role. But as far as bringing a character back for, like, a significant moment, like, they just hit the shit with the audience with that, which I thought was a great scene. But that's a whole nother movie. I still got to rewatch it. We'll get into that, you know, down the road next month for our, our final, you know, things there. But... I just don't understand why you wouldn't take these moments to really capitalize on that. That would really had helped your point if that was the whole point of this. But, and then from there, uh, just moving on from that, they uh, visit Fred, George, Arthur, and Molly uh, for Ron. Uh, that's not shown in the film, but they're like, like you said, they were praising Harry using the Vizor, but he never had ever learned about that so i definitely wrote that down um hagrid is not seen visiting in the film where in the book remember he tells uh the group he tells them about the argument he heard between dumbledore and snape and that's like a huge moment because they throw that later on in the film almost like you walked in on it or something but they're just throwing it there like the audience is supposed to see this for no reason but really in the book like Hagrid is the one that mentioned it that they said in passing and it was supposed to happen in the forest Um, not the top of the damn astronomy tower so anyways yeah like why they keep foreshadowing the damn astronomy tower trying to give everything away um yeah as far as uh so Hepaziah Smith and the house of Hokey were not shown or mentioned of course I didn't expect that to ever happen but uh, Voldemort applying for the position, like you said, was admitted, I guess, because they didn't want to see him in a suit, but they already showed him in a suit <laughs> in Order of the Phoenix. So, like, maybe, I don't know. Um, Avery, Voldemort's follower, he's not mentioned. Not a big deal. Just figured I'd throw that in there. Um, in the book, also, it was like he was scolded. Maybe I like read this wrong in the film, but it was like he scolded Harry for not like getting the information. But in the book, like he never like scolds him, but he just like makes him feel like really 
almost like disappointed like he was like disappointed in him that he didn't make it a better priority um in the film of course Dumbledore doesn't ever mention that the defense against the dark arts position is jinxed which that's kind of like a big fucking deal like I don't know why you would never mention that in passing um the unknowable room that chapter right so the scene where Harry notices Malfoy uh, disappearing from the Marauders map in the book is omitted. Like, they just didn't even put that in there. Apparently, they featured that on a deleted scene in passing, but they cut it from the theatrical version and they cut most of it from the deleted scene. Um, no mention in the film of Crab and Goyle ever using the Polyjuice potion. That's not there. Um, I did like, I guess, that i thought it was cool i guess the draco dead bird scene like i thought it was cool like it popped out of the vanishing cabinet dead not that i like dead birds or anything i just thought it was an interesting scene really made no sense <laughs> but it was like a cool scene i guess um and that's when he had like the apple and all that but um tonks of course doesn't appear inside hogwarts uh, looking for Dumbledore at all like that's never there at all in the film like that's just never there uh, remember when she like appears there when Harry was looking for the rumor requirement that's never there um, the trio of course you know Harry Von Hermione never receive a letter letting them know uh, about Aragog's uh, death or that he, he's like about to die or not doing well in the film um harry like i mentioned this before when he gets felix felix's he like drains the bottle like he doesn't take a few drops like they're very specific in the book like takes a few drops and he like drains the whole damn thing um aragog is like the size uh, he's like super small like did you pick up on that yeah like he was like super small yeah in the film i don't know why i guess it's because like he was dead so like part of his corpse was curling up i'm not exactly sure why um and i'm almost back up to where you were but so slughorn asks about the venom directly rather than kind of sneaking around in the books uh harry doesn't talk to slughorn about his parents death as much as he does in the books um also in the film like slughorn talks about like that bull <laughs> that Harry's mom had given him I guess it's okay in the film uh in the film like it's uh like they sing the song about Odo remember that like guy that was like the the I don't know if he was like a troll or villager that was like a legend but like that's super shortened um I didn't have a really big problem with that though uh, in the film, the ring and the diary are mentioned as Horcruxes, but of course they leave out the others, like what the fuck. Um, Dumbledore in the film only mentions Horcruxes, uh, like I said, but he doesn't mention Nagini, the cup, the locket, the Ravenclaw object. Uh, none of that's mentioned. Um, Dumbledore, and uh, of course it's very shortened with like the Voldemort scenes. Uh, back to where you were, so Sectumsempra. So, uh, Moaning Myrtle, like you said, was absent in the bathroom door. The, the bathroom, like, duel, this was the problem I had. Like, it was super short. Like, we saw, like, the sauna in there where 
Harry just randomly shot out the spell like you exactly said but like I said I don't know if he hit like a bathroom um, plumbing uh, something in the wall that burst open that caused like all the steam to go everywhere and Malfoy was just laying there uh, I did think it was really cool how he was going back and forth over him um, with the stuff that was pretty well well done as far as like if you did like a shortened scene um, but like Snape's detention for Harry is entirely omitted and then Ginny in the film also like hides the textbook in the room of requirement whereas in the book remember that was the whole thing like Harry was going back uh, trying to grab the book and go hide it in the room of requirement because he had to hand it over to Snape so and uh then last thing here and i'll turn it back over to you in the film jenny kisses harry like in that room like it was supposed to be all like like sexual or something like i don't know if it was like to make him nervous and she like just like was, close your eyes like close your eyes and i'll kiss you i don't know exactly why they decided to do it that way i guess it was okay i didn't really have a problem with it but it really defeated the whole point of i guess like everything was just super out of order it didn't really make it there was no surprise involved except for like when harry walked out remember he was still trying to keep it a secret from ron where he was like he was like what are you doing in there he's like oh nothing and then he like gets back on track i i don't know like the whole idea was it was supposed to be he was super elated from they won the Quidditch match and Ginny was a part of it and he just didn't care anymore. That was like the entire opposite effect of how this kiss and stuff was playing out with their relationship. And with that, I'm going to turn it right back over to you, Jay Nelly. So here's the thing. When you mention stuff out of order, I feel like you like go by, when you went by like the chapters and what they happen and stuff, like how things happen in the film. Cause like the, the, this whole second Semper thing and Ginny kissing Harry actually happened before like the whole, uh, Hagrid thing like in the movie in, in the book you're right in the chronological sequence of events so now I've kind of got to like re-catch up to where you started your last uh, one okay gotcha. so like that's yeah, why I was because, wondering no, why you were yeah. so far because the way I labeled it I labeled it by I, the like book the chapters. chapters I know and then took the yeah I, I did yeah. it how we saw it on the film to talk about how out of order it was because of how because uh, it's a difference <laughs> so yeah no so I do need to go through a couple things and talk about what happened yeah. at Hagrid's and with Slughorn and all that so Anyways, uh, talking about that Sempra scene, which again happens before all of that, we, you just kind of mentioned a little bit of it, but uh, Snape doesn't just let Harry leave the bathroom. Like he like like quizzes him on stuff and says, "Go get me your books, all of them." You know, and, like that's when he uh, goes to the room of requirement. But to your point, Ginny doesn't guide him and help him get rid of the advanced potions making book. That doesn't happen. She's not anywhere present during this time. Like Ginny and Harry don't find a bird in the vanishing cabinet. And Jenny was never there. And the cabinet is something that barely registers in Harry's head. In the book, remember, he was, like, putting stuff, like, up on things so no one would understand where he threw the book. He put his book in, like, a drawer. They put, like, the, the, the bust of the gargoyle and put a little crown on top of that, which is kind of important. But, like, the vanishing cabinet barely registers in Harry's mind in the book. Where in the film, like, it makes it a very, like, big point of they opening the vanishing cabinet and all of a sudden the bird comes out alive. Like, that's just silly. They, it's like, like you said, it's with this foreshadowing. It's like they want to ruin what comes before they actually build the suspense for it. Like, why would you do that? It yeah. doesn't make any sense. 
And then, to your point about Ginny kissing Harry, Ginny doesn't fucking kiss Harry in the room requirement. They kiss after the last Quidditch match when Harry was in detention with Snape, which conveniently was also left out that you also mentioned. The detention of Snape just wasn't there at all, which is super important because McGonagall agreed wholeheartedly with Snape about the punishment, saying, yeah, you should have detention every Saturday. You're gonna miss Quidditch. Well, not only did they miss out that detention, they decided they're not gonna add the last Quidditch match or the fact that Governor won the Quidditch Cup again. So no, we're just gonna say <laughs> fuck Quidditch, apparently, because no one likes Quidditch in the films, according to the directors and the producers, or the writers, whatever. <laughs> but yes, uh, you mentioned this already. I'll touch on it. Where was the letter about Aragog? There was no letter. That was super important. They just realized that Aragog was dead, or they just came down and just happened to be conveniently dead? Like, no, that's not how it worked. But I will disagree with you on this one section. Harry taking the Felix Felicis potion was actually pretty accurate with that specific scene. I know it looks like he drained all of it. He took gulps for sure, but when he puts it back down, there is still a good portion of that potion left inside okay. that. But in terms of like how he acted right afterwards, too, he's like, great, brilliant. I'm going to go see Haggard. Like, that was actually that was very good. accurate. I for like, like I actually gave him props for that. Yeah. They got a pretty good job with that specific scene. But then Harry yeah. in the book tells Slughorn about Aragog's death before arriving at Hagrid's. Also, Harry was in an invisibility cloak. And Slughorn doesn't try to get Harry to go back to the castle. Remember, like, uh, in, in the movie, he's, like, trying to get Harry to go back to the castle. He doesn't do that. Like, he's like, he's yeah. like oh, yeah. uh, Acromantula Venom. Hmm. I wonder what I can get for that. That's got to be pretty, uh, it's pretty expensive. I can get some of that awesome Venom. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and anyways. Also, in the movie, when we start talking about them getting drunk, them singing the ode to Aragog and all that, uh, all that stuff. Like, in the movie, they just made up this weird-ass fish story that Slughorn tells about Lily. Like Lily, like a uh, fish, yeah. and then and then the day she died, her fish died in my room, and I knew, yeah, like, was, like, like what the like, hell what is, is that, that about? Like, that was so dumb. <laughs> Anyways, uh, then this is hilarious. So I was like the bowl, like I don't know, it was weird. That was so weird. <laughs> Sorry, happy. And then this this is one of the biggest things in this film that was a difference that just contradicts everything the book put out here like the whole thing is so let me go ahead and quote the movie real quick Dumbledore says after Harry gets the real memory we get into what the real memory actually was with the horcrux and like you know now we know all about it yay after we get that movie they come out of the pensieve and in the film Dumbledore says this is beyond anything I imagined literally in the book, it's the exact opposite. It, me- it merely <laughs> confirmed Dumbledore's theory. He's like, "Yeah, it's like this confirms everything we already thought." Like, like this is like this is beyond anything I could have imagined. Oh my lord! Like, like what? that's just not true. All it did was confirm in the book, confirm Dumbledore's theory about what he already thought he knew that there was more Horcruxes. All the 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 thing did is kind of put a finite number on the number of Horcruxes that that were available or that were uh, conjured, I should say. So. I thought that was pretty dumb. Also, Dumbledore doesn't argue with Snape at the tower in earshot of Harry. Like, remember Harry was, like, kind of walking up on underneath and, like, they're arguing at the top of the tower? That was dumb. And it was, like you said, it yeah. was Hagrid that tells Harry, Ron, and Hermione what he overheard in the forest. Uh... Now, now we're going to start getting into stuff, because now I'm kind of caught back up to where you are. I'm going to start... Ta- I'm going to take, like, two or three more here before I turn it back over mm-hmm. to you, but Dumbledore in the book did not just apparate out of Hogwarts you cannot apparate in or out of Hogwarts and I know the film tried to play it off by saying well being the headmaster gives you certain privileges so they tried to explain on why that Dumbledore was able to apparate out of Hogwarts because apparently he like according to the film he's the headmaster and they can lift those enchantments and he can apparate but what they do 
in the novel is they walk to Hogsmeade. They they literally walk out the front door in the entrance hall. Harry on his invisibility cloak. Like again, they decide to leave this invisibility cloak out. They don't care about it, and that's really important for when they get back because that whole thing is totally fucked up. But anyways, they, what actually happens <laughs> in the novel is they walk through the grounds, go to Hogsmeade, say hi to Madame Rosmerta, go to the Hogshead, not inside but near it, and then they apparate from there. They don't just fucking apparate from the astronomy tower. That's a problem. <laughs> and, then, and then also, the movie just skipped the part where they're supposed to swim to the cave. It's just, here's the outcrop lying, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're in the cave, baby. Like <laughs> what? Yeah. Like like you were supposed to swim to the fissure in the cave. Like that was a whole thing. Like remember, yeah. Harry was like chattering. He was like cold, and Dumbledore was like, "Oh my bad, I forgot <laughs> to heat up your clothes for you." Where the just the movie just like, "Yep, here we are. We're in the cave, baby. Cave of Wonders. Let's do it." Um, but yes, with that man, I'll go ahead and, and pass it back over to you. Um, <laughs> in the cave. Arabian Nights. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyways, you love the fucking uh, kind of stepping back just for. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um. Anyways, yeah. If only that potion was more like a magic lamp, that would have been great. But instead, they decided to use Sally sold seashells down by the seashell sore. <laughs> we're at Wizard Wizzle's Wheeze. Whatever we call that fucking shop. <laughs> Wizard Wizarding Wheezes. Got the wheezing. Got my asthma. I don't have no fucking asthma, but if I was in the wheezing shop, <laughs> that's what I'd be asking for because I fucking hate the name. Anyways, butcher the name every time. Please explain, Wizard Wizarding Wheezes. What's Ron's last name? <laughs> Weasley. Wizarding Wheezes. Weasley. Weasley Wizarding Wheezes. Just think about Ron first. Ron Weasley. Weasley Wizarding Wheezes. Wizarding Weasley. Weasley Wizarding Wheezes. Got there you it. go. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, just a cool little awesome. <laughs> cool little couple scenes here and then back to where we are there. But uh, I do like as far as uh, so it showed that scene in the astronomy tower where they were, you know, Snape was arguing with Dumbledore. I did like that they kind of had this little ad. Snape said, "Has it ever occurred to you? Has it ever crossed your brilliant mind that I don't want to do this anymore?" I thought it was cool. It kind of, you know, threw a little much in there, but it was pretty cool. I thought that was good. Um, as far as just like you said, I thought they did hit the nail on the head. With the Felix Felicis, how it almost felt like he was drunk. Like he was like, Daniel Radcliffe did a really good job of this part. Like he was like, Sir, Sir. <laughs> and he was like, talking to Slughorn. Remember they were looking at Aragog's dead body? He didn't give a fuck. He was like, it's looking at the like uh, pincers. He was like, and for those of y'all that can't see on the podcast, what that is was he was moving his fingers and making the little noise with his mouth like pincers because <laughs> he was like kind of drunk the whole time, almost feeling like that, which I thought they nailed that part on the head. You're definitely right about that. Um, as far as uh, so kind of catching up to where you are. So the as far as the film in the like, I had it. I felt like kind of the moment you were talking about, which is awesome, like when they dove in to the water, I remember like uh, Dumbledore put the wand in his mouth 
I felt like this was almost like you should be playing this part in a video game. Like the whole thing about traveling to the cave, it was almost like a Tomb Raider video game. Like if you followed, like if you were Harry following Dumbledore, like putting his mouth or you could choose one of the characters on co-op mode, like Return of the King in the PlayStation 2 game way back in the day. And then you had to get to the Pensieve and help each other out, like feed the potion while you fight off the Inferi. That whole fucking shit should have been a video game that would have been badass man but yeah like you said i thought it was ridiculous they just apparate to the cave and like oh it's cold here it's a cold it's one of them cold beaches <laughs> it's like new jersey <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> very interesting um as far as so the like i was saying i mentioned this a little bit earlier when they get to the cave, like, there is no mention of any backstory of Amy Benson or Dennis Bishop, how Tom Riddle used to take them there. They were just like, he hid it in a cave. Like, he put this in a cave because he found some cave. <laughs> like, like Dumbledore used to go cave painting or some shit, like in Game of Thrones. <laughs> he was there for ages with the White Walkers. I don't fucking know. Um, and uh, Dumbledore... Uh, here catching up to where we're at remember when they get to the door that offer it requires tribute in the film it was like Dumbledore knew exactly what was going on was like oh I'm prepared to cut myself for ages in the like book he was debating almost like how Gandalf does in Fellowship of the Ring like going through the Mines of Moria like he was debating about like what was going on here and what they should do and then he was like uh Remember, he said um, crude, like that's crude, <laughs> but like this is what has to be done. It was like in the film, like he had already prepared for that. Oh, there's a reason I always kept this potion knife on me. You're too young, Harry. <laughs> You're too young. I don't know. So I had a big problem with that. Um, and then the boat also, it's not like in the book it was like described as being small like i felt like this boat was like fucking massive with like the skull head on it like some director somewhere had i swear taken weeks and weeks to work on like the skull on the face of this boat where he conjured it up like just pulled the chains out with his bare hands this massive ass boat even though Vol even though Dumbledore is like weak as shit at this point but apparently he can bring out like a 300 pound kilogram boat <laughs> so I don't know which really defeats the purpose because the whole idea is supposed to be small because it judges the magical prowess powers right and who can get on there but Harry's 17 so he can get in and then I'll let you take it from there, man. So the biggest Back thing, yeah, the things I kind of had issue with in terms of when we're in the cave itself, like, like there was no fluorescent phosphorus green glow at the middle of the lake that was, like, mentioned in the book. That was supposed to be, like, one of the key characteristics of the Drink of Despair, which you guys remember uh, last uh, two weeks ago, actually, is when I kind of did a quick interesting fact upon that. Like, that was what's key characteristic. It had a phosphorus green scented uh, glow to it, and that just wasn't the case. Uh, I guess, like, you know, when they finally got to the, the the basin where the thing was, they did an okay job with the scene of, of Dumbledore drinking the potion, but the why we were laughing in the very beginning and talking about, like, like Sally sells, she sells by the seashore is because in the book it very clearly states that 
Dumbledore conjures a goblet out of thin air and, like, you know, like, scoops it up. Like, where in the movie there's this, this fucking shell next to the damn thing and you're <laughs> scooping the water up with a shell and trying to put the shell down Dumbledore's mouth here. Like, that just didn't make any sense. Like, why? I don't understand. It doesn't add anything to it. It doesn't make it look cooler. It's just very unnecessary. <laughs> like, it's unrealistic and it's unnecessary. But I guess, like, I did, I did, I will say I appreciated the acting about from Dumbledore in this one instance of him going through the pain and agony uh, on the that little rock outcrop of the the drinking of that potion. So I appreciated that. It was fine. Uh, one thing that they did miss in the movie, which it brings up a big thing that we talked about two weeks ago, was that the Dumbledore in the movie never tells Harry about fire like he did in the book. They just forgot to talk yeah. about hey Harry. Like, you know, fire is what you need to do to get rid of these things. So it's like it, it almost forgives Harry for not thinking about it in the film where, like, it, like in the book you're supposed to, like, be annoyed at Harry because, you know, Dumbledore maybe had could have had some more strength if he didn't have to use majority of his power, like, fighting out these in fury after he was already on his last limbs with the damn drink of despair. So I uh, thought that was something that they could have used. Oh, this is a quick mention, too. It's an extra line. Like, Harry, these things fear fire. Like it doesn't. That takes ten seconds. Yeah, it doesn't take a whole bunch of lot. Like you know, it's not a big budget right. constraint thing because you're not adding a bunch to it. It takes ten seconds. But anyways, um, the movie made it more dramatic with Harry being dragged under the water, which is fine, I guess. Like I was telling Harry uh, Chase, like it was kind of like you know, out in the when when Frodo goes underwater there and it's like he's dragged down by the chain with the ring on it. Like it was like it was fine. You got to add drama to it. Okay, I can I can handle it. Um, I just it was interesting with that firestorm that it just like went all the way through the the water and they released him and he was able to get back <laughs> in time. It was just it was a lot for me, but okay, I can I can I can take it. But uh, the one thing I will mention, and when we, especially when we were talking about the the Felix Felicis, he never gave the remainder of it to Ron, Ginny, and Hermione like he did in the book. Like they just after he took like whatever he, yeah. the gulps he took of it, he just decided that was it. He still got some left, but he didn't hand it to him. I guess we're just supposed to assume that's what he does. But no, you're like literally that was a big whole deal, is because there was a uh, conflict whether he should take it before going to the cave with Dumbledore or if he should give it to Ron, Hermione, and uh, Ginny. So the fact that he just never did that was interesting. Also, another thing too, and this almost backtracks a touch. It's just something that, like, I wanted to make sure it wasn't shown at all. So I waited for this point. We didn't see Professor Trelawney at all. Professor Trelawney actually has a big role here because yeah. she's the one that tells uh, Harry that Snape was the Death Eater that overheard Dumbledore. That's fucking huge, man. Yeah. Like, they, you can't leave that out. Like, is somebody go be barges in the Dumbledore's office all pissed off because he's like, "It was Snape. He's the reason why my mom and dad are dead." Ah, like. You need to add that. You can't leave that out. <laughs> like, there is no Professor Trelawney getting kicked out, uh, or or foreshadowing the instant darkness powder that he uses because she said that everything went black inside the room, and then all of a sudden she was being hurled out of there. Like, so she just didn't make an appearance yeah. at all. Um, going into where, like, after we leave the cave, Bellatrix, she was not one of the Death Eaters that came to Hogwarts in the book. They just decided, hey. Bellatrix is cool. Everyone likes Helena Bonham Carter, so we're going to go ahead and put her here, even though she wasn't actually here in the novel. So, wonderful. Um, <laughs> also, on top of that, Harry and Dumbledore flew brooms to the Astronomy Tower in the book. 
Harry didn't apparate them back there to the astronomy tower. On top of the fact, the whole astronomy tower thing was messed up as it was. There was a whole, like, like if you guys think about it, it was like, like in the book, it was depicted as, like, as a ramparts. Like, if you guys play chess, think of the rook and how it has, like, that little circle on the top and on the things on the outside. Like, the, the door was, like, like the spiral thing led up and there was a door that opened to it not just a spiral staircase that opened up to wide open spaces like it was a door you had to burst through remember they said four Death Eaters burst through the door and Malfoy was like had his wand pointed at Dumbledore well apparently it was just this wide open thing that you know you just walked to the top of uh, so that was all messed up in terms of the de depiction of what the Astronia Tower was supposed to look like but regardless they didn't apparate directly there. They apparated to the Hogsmeade, and they took Madame Rosemary's brooms to the Astronomy Tower because there was a fucking dark mark above it. The dark mark was was there <laughs> before, not after Dumbledore's death. So, Rosemary, and also talking about Madame Rosemary, she doesn't even make an appearance in this film either, which is also important because she's under the Imperious Curse, and she's the one who alerted Malfoy when Dumbledore left the school so Malfoy could act that night. So these things are just things you cannot miss without messing up the fucking storyline. Uh, with that, man, I'll turn I'll turn it over to you to kind of to take it from there. But, dude, those are just some other things that just really piss me off. Yeah, no, you, no, you uh, hit the nail on the head. Um, just a few different things here as far as... Uh, I like what you said because I did appreciate, too, how, you know, Dumbledore reacted to the potion... In the book, though, like, the potion, correct me if I'm wrong, it's supposed to be black, but it was, like, glowing green or something in the film. Like, I don't know why they... Oh, it was supposed to be green. I don't know. No, it's supposed... Yeah. Or it was it, clear yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was supposed to be green, but it was clear yeah. in the film. Like, it, it was That's supposed it was. to be, like, yeah, fluorescent phosphorus green. That's how it was described in the book. But in yeah. the film, it was just, like, in the book, it was just yeah. clear. It was weird. Yeah. Um, as far as... I, I gotta say this. I thought it was badass watching that firestorm thing. It was like over the water. You could see it part the ways. Dumbledore was like doing his dancing thing, like a lasso, how it's described. But I felt like he was, you know, he was hurting some cows. Like he was just taking out the Inferi, uh, like a like a little baby Moses taking him up to a mountain. <laughs> he was knocking him dead. It was fucking great. It was my uh, my favorite part by far. Um, but yeah. You know, uh, Madame Rosemirta, like you said, she's not even there at all. They just go straight to the astronomy tower. There are no brooms whatsoever. There's no dark mark, uh, which is super important because that's why Dumbledore, like, fucking got, like, serious all of a sudden. <laughs> he saw the dark mark above the tower, so that's why they were supposed to go there in the beginning. It's not that they just chose to go to the astronomy tower. They chose to go to the astronomy tower because that's where the dark mark was conjured. Like, that's the whole point. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I felt like it was in the book, like, uh, when Dumbledore freezes Harry. Remember, that, like, never happens. Like, he never freezes Harry. That was in the novel. Like, that was the whole idea. Like, he just tells Harry to go hide under there. Like, Harry wouldn't have jumped out and tried to save him if he was just hiding. <laughs> like, all right, let's play hide-and-seek, but I'm still going to obey what Dumbledore says, even though I've been looking in the pensieve for years, <laughs> going against what Dumbledore told me to do. But, okay. Um, in the book, uh, Amicus, uh, 
Amkis uh, finds like Draco with Dumbledore and tries to persuade Draco to kill Dumbledore. Then, of course, like you said, that's who it is. Is Bellatrix Lestrange, Helena <laughs> Bonham Carter, which I love Bellatrix, but this was entirely ridiculous for what I'm gonna explain here. Is when I thought it was a cool scene, but you know, after uh, Dumbledore is shot off the Astronomy Tower, which you went into that, like she is like blowing shit up for no reason. Like she like blows up the windows. Remember, she, like, walks across the feast table and is, like, kicking plates everywhere? Like, I don't know why that was really necessary. She's also the one that they gave her the role to to blow up Hagrid's hut. And that's, like, not how that happened at all. But she, like, sets it on fire. Like, I felt like she was going to still run across that table again and go, I killed Sirius Black! And it's like, okay, well, you did that a long time ago. But, yeah, it was like, there was... She even stupefies or something that one guy that was there that was like no relation at all for some reason they just throw him in there but I have no idea why she decided to run across the table at the feast uh, it doesn't really make any sense to me but I was okay with it because I thought it was a cool scene I will say as far as when you know Snape uh, went up there remember he like whispered like the hair he was like shh like keep your mouth shut if you know what's good for you sonny <laughs> he like walks up there and then then hits him with the avada kedavra i thought they did that well as far as with the avada kedavra part not really the whisper thing because it kind of showed there's some something going on there there's some sort of emotion and then it was sad watching dumbledore fall that was a really emotional i thought they did that well except for in the book uh, I felt like it could have been done better because in the book, remember, it describes him as like almost like freezing near the dark mark. Like he was like just almost like hanging there when he fell. Uh, so I thought it could have been done better, but I appreciated that the way they did it and kind of gave Dumbledore his moment when he was shot off the astronomy tower. Um, as far as, and that's what it says in the book, it says Dumbledore appeared frozen in the sky although it was Harry's perspective whereas in the film remember he was like slow falling and he was like shot over the rails or something like down towards the ground it was like he was falling into the abyss almost like how I thought Sirius I pictured Sirius to die in order of the phoenix <laughs> like they mixed these two up or something I don't know um and then in the book it describes Avada Kedavra as being bright green and in the film, it's just, like, there. <laughs> like, it just, like, happens, so. Um, and then uh, in the battle, remember, in the book, and I'll let you take it back over from here, uh, the battle with the Order, like, isn't there at all. Like, the Order isn't even there. Like, I don't even know where they were. <laughs> I don't know where any of that happened at all. And then, of course, uh, Harry, I did like, when he says this it was cool but in fact in the book it's fight back you cowardly and he gets stopped when snape turns around in the film you know daniel radcliffe and harry has to have his moment for the directors almost like in azkaban prisoner of azkaban where he was like and if i find him i'm gonna kill him well in this one he goes fight back fight back you coward fight back 
Well, in the novel, it's actually fight back, you cowardly, and he gets stopped, like, mid-sentence. But, like, I thought it was a pretty amazing scene when Snape looks back. However, all Snape says in the film is, I'm the half-blood prince. Whereas in the book, it was so much more meaningful, especially for when we get into in the next book, because he was like, call, he was like, call me a coward. Like he approaches him and like it shows like that emotion of what that meant as what just happened. But none of that happens in the film. And with that, I'll uh, turn it back over to you, man. So to kind of backtrack just a touch, uh, we, we mentioned it, we touched on it, so I'll just breeze through it. Harry in the book was under the invisibility cloak when Malfoy bursts at the door, and Dumbledore freezes Harry so Harry is unable to move. Because like your point, like if this is what they're trying to sell us on, there's no way you can convince me that Harry, being the guy who always tries the heroics, wouldn't try to fight Malfoy and like defend Dumbledore if he's got full ability of his arms and talent and wand like no like there was a reason why Dumbledore had to freeze him because he didn't want Harry to uh attack you know so yeah. that was that's something that you can't really miss uh Bellatrix as I mentioned earlier did not go with the other Death Eaters at Hogwarts so she wasn't there taking lead when Draco had Dumbledore cornered like you said she just you know it, it was Electo and Amicus and Fenrir and then there, there was called the brutal face Death Eater who I figured out later was Corbin Yaxley like those were the people that were up there with Draco not Bellatrix <laughs> um Snape never saw Harry under the stairs. Uh, as I mentioned, Harry was on the invisibility cloak, and nobody other than Dumbledore knew Harry was there. So, uh, uh, this is also a big thing, too, because Bellatrix casted the Dark Mark after Dumbledore was hit with the Avada Kedavra curse. That's a problem because, number one, like I mentioned, the whole point that they decided to go to the Astronomy, astronomy Tower specifically is because that's where the Dark Mark was already cast when they arrived back in Hogsmeade. Well, now they just threw up, like, Bellatrix threw up the Dark Mark after Dumbledore's death, which I get, you're supposed to do it after somebody dies, but that was a whole trap. That was a whole thing to lure Dumbledore to that spot, you know? And on top of that, Bellatrix wasn't there to cast it even before or after. It was actually the Death Eater called Gibbon, who was incidentally killed by the huge blonde eater that was just throwing curses everywhere in that battle with the Order of the Phoenix that never took place that we just didn't have like yeah. what the fuck happened to the Order battling the Death Eaters below like remember there was that whole barrier where like if you didn't have the dark mark it would throw you back from the barrier so you couldn't go up the stairs like it was there was yeah. a whole scene that was uh, like how are you going to give us like nothing from the Order battling like, like I, I want to see some badass things kind of like you know, uh, not like Helm's Deep. Maybe like Boromir when he was fighting the the orcs and like trying as hard as he can, but like people yeah. getting blasted. Not like maybe not dying, but like you know because they had the lucky potion. But it's just we didn't see any sort of like like struggle at all. The, the Order of the Phoenix just decided they weren't gonna show up. They're like they basically did make Dumbledore seem like he didn't know how to protect the school when he left. He just apparently was. That's it. Yeah. There it is. All, all of a sudden, Death Eaters are here, and they get free reign over the whole school. They're not being stopped. We're all just walk right up to the Astronomy Tower, and just, here we are, Dumbledore. Uh, yeah, so that really upset me. Um, Bellatrix is, again, I think you mentioned this one. She's not the one that set Hagrid's house on fire. Uh, and to that point, where was Hagrid? Remember? He wasn't even, he was supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, fight, I don't He was know supposed to be fighting the Death Eaters, and he wasn't even fighting the Death Eaters. Like... It was that the blonde <laughs> Death Eater is the one, the one that was fighting the killing curse everywhere. He was the one that set Hagrid's house on fire. But remember, he was also trying to like throw curse after curse at Hagrid. It was bouncing off Hagrid's like chest, and Hagrid's like, oh, like he's, like he's got that giant berserker thing going on. And they just decide, no, we're gonna forget about that. Don't worry about it, guys. It's fine. So like, like you add weird things like that thing at Christmas time 
with the Death Eaters, but you're not going to show actual cool battle scenes that really happened? I don't get it. I don't get it. You're going to add fake shit, but take away the real cool shit. That's just dumb, man. Like, I don't get it. Um, <laughs> to kind of, t- I'm just actually going to finish out the last four that I have just so that way. Go for uh, it. Whatever happened, like, there was no mention or, like, even allusion to Fenrir Greyback biting and maiming Bill. That was a pretty big deal. Uh, that just because there was no battle with the Order, there was no Bill getting fucked up by Greyback. Um, what was that weird wands up thing that they decided to add to get rid of the Dark Mark? Remember when they all just kind of like siphoned away the Dark Mark by putting up all the school put up their wands and the Dark Mark like dissipated because they all put their wands up there? That was weird as shit. I don't know why they did that. I gotta disagree um, with you on that. I thought that was cool. Because that's even what? played like why? a whole day. Like when someone dies at Universal, they always put their wands in the air. I thought sure, it was cool. But, but like, like putting your wands guy. in the air is one it. thing, but that's not the point it. I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that it's not necessarily what they put their wands up, but the fact that they siphoned away the dark mark by putting their wands in the air. That was weird. I don't understand why that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, was yeah really, I mean, I get that. It's, yeah. It's yeah. very, very strange. I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I Hermione. Thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool moment. Yeah, uh, Hermione didn't tell Ron, the, the Ron with uh, him and Ginny dating in the book. I don't know why the heck that decided to play a factor in the movie. Uh, also, this is one of the bigger ones. What the fuck was Dumbledore's wand doing at Dumbledore's desk? Like, he was supposed yeah, to be buried uh, with it, which plays a major role later. Like, that's a whole big issue. Like, there's a reason why his wand plays an important role. I don't want to get into it because I don't want to ruin anything. But the fact that Harry just walks back up to his office and sees the wand there... Like that just never happened. There, that wand is was it actually said in the book when Draco Malfoy disarmed Dumbledore, that Dumbledore's wand flew over the ramparts behind him off the Astronomy Tower too. So where the why the hell is this Dumbledore's wand just chilling on his desk? That just doesn't make sense. Like even forget the storyline for a second. Like it's it totally messes up the storyline. But just from like a logical perspective. Where the heck, like, why the heck is here one? You just conjured that firestorm in the cave, but then you get to the, the the tower and all of a sudden your wand's at your desk. You actually didn't have it that whole time? Is that what they were trying to tell us? Or what the heck was that, man? Or are they trying to tell us that, like, the wand fell from Dumbledore's, like, yeah, Draco hit him with disarming, and then, like, instead of the wand flying over, it was just found on the ground, and then they brought it up to his desk and took it there? I don't know. Regardless, the wand should never have been at Dumbledore's desk at the end. Uh, the other last thing that I, I, I'll really have that's a major difference is that they had a congregation of the teachers deciding whether uh, they should go ahead and close Hogwarts or not. And that just decided they didn't have that in the movie. They decided to leave that out, which is pretty important because that's when you kind of learn that, well, I don't want to give it away because that's Chase, one of Chase's favorite parts. But anyways, like people make their decisions if they're going to go back to school next year or not. So that, that leaving that out is very, very silly. And then on top of that, we are also not going to give Dumbledore a proper funeral. We're just going to decide that like there's no white tomb. There's no centaurs shooting arrows over it. There's no people <laughs> coming in like Madame Maxine flying in from Bow Benz, the Ministry, Dolores Umbridge, Rita Skeeter. Like a bunch of people just showing up and paying respects to Dumbledore. We're just going to leave that out. Like he's one of the most important figures in the series and... We're not going to go ahead and give him his proper due in the film. We're just going to say, oh, well, here's Dumbledore's wand on his desk. Uh, have fun, Harry. Fuck you, Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that that's oh, the fuck. that's what I have like for my remaining differences that I really wanted to highlight. So I'll let you do the remainder of yours, and I'll give kind of like we'll give our final takeaways for it, man. 
Yeah, man. Uh, just kind of catching up to you here. Um, not too much, but uh, so as far as um, I mean, you said it already in the film. Like Harry does. Um, like remember he like uh did he use the he didn't use the cruciatus curse on snape did he in the film uh, oh yeah on the film him? no he was supposed to but he didn't <laughs> yeah yeah he didn't yeah that's what i was thinking um as far as uh so you know we mentioned this stuff with hagrid but remember fang was like in there trapped none of that happened that we mentioned before with hagrid's hut um See, this I thought was a cool ad when she, like, led the crowd. I guess, like, the dark mark. I, I was wondering if it was, like, a spell or something. <laughs> like, got rid of the dark mark. I don't know. But I thought the wands in the air thing was cool because now you see when, like, a Harry Potter character dies, like Alan Rickman when he died. That's what they did at Universal is they put their wands in there. So I think it's cool just because now it's become, like, iconic. But if you go back and look at it, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. But I, 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 I let it slide. Let it slide. I think it's cool. I like it. I liked it. Um, in the book, so Harry discovers the note inside the locket when Dumbledore's dead body is, like, all mangled and it broke from the fall. Like, in the film, like, Hermione, like, finds the note after they, like, opened it or some shit. Like, I don't know if, like, that's... How I mean, like, he was like, this was inside there. How the fuck did you get it open? Like, I don't know. Maybe I missed that part. But, like, he, like, opens it at the end of the film. Um, as far as, I will say, like, Dumbledore's body, like, in the book, remember, it's described, it's, like, mangled. There was blood from his mouth that Harry, like, dabbed off. It was a super emotional scene. It was pretty emotional in the film, too, but... Um, and I get you got to make it for audiences of all ages so he like in the film like it was like he like grazes his hair or something but like puts his hand on his heart his chest uh, I was a pretty emotional scene because everyone knows you know it's just sad seeing double Lord that way that he's been with us from the beginning so I thought it was a good I thought it was good I thought they did that part well except for you missed the biggest fucking part <laughs> like the locket is busted open but all right whatever um and then of course in the book like in the film like it's got like jenny like leaning on harry like crying like this never happens in the book uh so that's not there in the book the hospital scene with bill like you said that's entirely omitted um there is no meeting in dumbledore's office with like flitwick and everyone discussing his funeral the funeral scene, like you said, is cut out. Imagine how cool that would have been to see on film. Like the centaur shooting the arrows or the white tomb to be conjured. Like that would have been so cool to see. Like I think everyone would have really appreciated that at the very end of the film. But they had nothing. <laughs> like just no. Once again, the Golden Trio are discussing about how depressing their life is. Is <laughs> pretty much the way it winds up ending, right? Um, in the film... It is, like, inferred that Harry and Ginny's relationship continues. This is such a huge part. He breaks up with Ginny because he realizes he doesn't want to put her in danger of all this and knows what he's about to do, where he's never coming back. And then Ron and Hermione, 
like say they're going with him because through thick and thin they're there from the beginning ever since the sorcerer's stone with the troll that was there they would never leave each other and that was the whole idea was he never wanted to put jenny in harm's way and now they just act like they're still a thing like i guess they're doing the long distance thing in the next film i don't know i still got to check that one out as opposed to when i saw it years ago um also like in the film this is the big one you said like finds dumbledore's wand in the office which not giving spoilers away from the next film but there's a part where it's like in the tomb so i don't know i guess we because we didn't see the funeral scene i guess someone took it out of the office and like put it on his chest you know like um almost like when we see that little not giving anything away for next season but aragorn they had that vision of him like dying with the sword or like boromir you know with the sword as he goes on the boat i guess like someone put it on his chest that's the only maybe a little plot hole for the film i would say but i guess if i'm trying to i guess mcgonagall walked down and put it in like the uh, it doesn't really make any sense because the casket was conjured out of thin air with him in it but i guess maybe this was like a little extra scene jk rowling forgot to uh forgot to add in the book it was omitted but mcgonagall secretly put it on his chest before they put him in the tomb in the casket <laughs> i i don't know uh and that's uh that's what i had there um is and i actually uh <laughs> my exact quote was it's dumb as shit that the wand is on Dumbledore's desk and that's the last thing I have but um and I do have this you know Hermione opens the locket in the film and and then uh they say uh, Harry says I'm not coming back Hermione I have to finish what I've started which like that's like entirely different uh and then also it says um i do want to say like this was like really cool like it was a beautiful scene like it was like gorgeous outside but then like fox i thought fox like went away for good according to the book but he's like shown at the end like it was a really cool scene but i thought like he was gone for good already once you know once uh dumbledore was gone but he like flies over which doesn't happen in the book so just mentioning that but it kind of reminded me of if you've seen Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. We won't get into that. We get into that much later. But there's a part where he goes, let's finish what we started, Tom. Like, I don't know why you have to have something like that in there where you have the exact dialogue you can put from the book, which is phenomenal. Uh, but final thoughts on this film. What do you think? Big takeaways. They underplayed Harry's obsession with finding out what Malfoy was up to. They barely mentioned that at all in the movie. That was a huge, big thing throughout the entire book from the beginning at the robe shop all the way through to getting Creature and Dobby to follow him to figuring out that Trelawney was thrown out of there by him. Like, this was a whole big deal that they just decided to underplay and undersell through this film. Um, they abandoned Quidditch yeah. after the first game, first game, which is important because it's why Ginny and Harry end up together. Uh, they also severely underplay the Half-Blood Princess potion book. That was a big deal through the whole book. The, in the novel, the advanced potion making book causes issues in friendships and everything and like different spells and him becoming a potions wizard. Like None of that is really sold to me the way it's supposed to be through the film's adaptation. Um, also, 
how big of a role the storyline and also they really screwed the pooch with the climax once Dumbledore <laughs> and Harry returned from the cave. So that was really like the, everything that happened from there. It, they really kind of messed that up with the lack of the battle between the Order and the Death Eaters, the just appearing, apparating uh, on the, the tower, the the wand being on the desk. Like there was just it, it, they really like it was cool with the cave there. They did a decent job in the cave, and they really just kind of fucked up the ending. Um, there was no memories of Voldemort's desire to teach at Hogwarts. No memory of Hezebus Smith with the cup in the locket. No memory of Voldemort implementing, uh, implanting memories in the morphine of murdering the wizards. So, like, uh, it's just or the riddles. It's just there. Were, those are my big takeaways. They underplayed what they what were really important to the, and they've added weird shit that really didn't make sense. But they did do a decent job with the scenes that they got right. They got the scenes that they got right very right. So I'll I'll say that to their credit. But uh, go ahead and tell me what your final takeaways are, and we'll just go ahead and give the book and the movie a ranking out of ten, and we'll we'll get out of here. Yeah, I uh, same thing. Like, I think, honestly, like, I mean, I like this one a lot more than a lot of the other ones. Um, I think because, like you said, the scenes that they did, I thought they did very well, and it was very close to what was in the in the book. However, with that being said, like some of the critical scenes. Like, they just left out major critical scenes. And I hate to say this, but I feel like that last scene with the wand, like, it's like they built all this up and, like, all their credit got destroyed at the end. Like, how did you miss that? Um, But I feel like they had Michael Bay syndrome. Like, the visuals were gorgeous. Like, the even the scene at Christmas was badass. It was a badass scene. Uh, you know the whole scene with Dumbledore conjuring firestorm and over the lake in the water with like it's splitting in two and saving him from the Inferi even Dumbledore getting shot off the astronomy tower is like super emotional Um, as far as like the emotions and I would say if you've never read a Harry Potter book you would probably love it but it was it was one of those odd kind of movies it's like every time i wanted to give them a point to give them credit they would go mess something up that was critical and i understand you got to cut things because you can only keep it so long however you know there's certain things like for instance the whole idea of jenny and harry's relationship being pushed from the beginning or not showing that they break up that sort of thing like that's really huge moments that because they changed the whole demeanor of the story or like um, you know, the whole demeanor of Albus uh, not trying to, like, figure things out, almost like he knew it, or it, it's just, I in the end, I was pleased with what it was. Do I feel like it could be a lot better? I do, me personally. And I'll let you uh, uh, do the ranking on it, man. How would you rank this one? For sure. One quick thing I wanted to mention before I talk about the rankings is just kind of what you said there in terms of as as a movie it got it got what it got right very right but when you leave off important details and you add new things in it's just like it doesn't make sense because when you say you've got to cut certain things i understand that but then you have things that happen such as very recently you got that jack snyder cut of the justice league which was four and a half hours long so like you can technically put what you're supposed to put in there and make it good, but like I guess I don't know, you know with the, the two and a half hours. If you're gonna do 
that and you want to make it your own, don't add things that didn't happen, but then take out things that did happen. Like, don't make it an exchange. Yeah. Like, make do like do really well what happened in the book. That's what I'm saying. Like, the whole Christmas thing was a nightmare. Like, there was no Rufus Scrimmageur. They destroyed the borough after being told in the book that yeah. the ministry gave great protection. I'm not going to get back into it, but, like, but like so I, I get, like, people saying, yeah, you've got to cut it. But, like, that we've got a whole Jack Snyder director's cut of the Justice League <laughs> that was four and a half hours long. So if you really, truly wanted to do yeah. it right, you could. You just decided not to. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? So if, if I'm going to yeah, talk about the rankings, um, I'll start with my book ranking, then I'll let you do your book ranking, then I'll give my movie ranking, let you give your movie ranking, and then... Uh, we'll, we'll get out of yeah. here for the day. But my book ranking, out of a scale of 1 to 10, I ranked the book at a 9.2. I thought 9.2 is a pretty fair assessment for this book. Uh, I, 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 it's never going to rank it as high as Goblet of Fire because I'm pretty sure I gave Goblet of Fire either like a 9.5 or a 9.8. I got to go back and look at what I actually gave it. But Goblet of Fire had a lot of stuff that was like coming of age moments. It wasn't just... See, the, the main thing that this book focused on was how to defeat Tom Riddle and like kind of the the whole backstory of his life and how he got from being a child to where he is and really kind of how to do it. So that way it was very like laser focused. I'm not taking points off from that, but what I enjoyed more about Gobble the Fire is the fact that there was just a, a lot of new things brought into the fold that made you think about a lot at once. Where this book was really mainly focused on okay, how do we like what is it about Tom Riddle? Like what can we do to figure out from his past how we can defeat him and what he's become to this point. So. Uh, I liked it for what it was. It was very, very detailed. It was a shorter book, but with that, with like how short the book was, did a great job with keeping me engaged and interested the entire time. 9.2 out of scale, 1 to 10 for me is a fantastic score. Uh, so that's what I gave it for the book. What did you give it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty solid... That's pretty solid. I mean, you know, I'm not going to rank it as high as Order of the Phoenix or Goblet just because I love those two books. Um but I was I was really impressed with it, and like I, I couldn't find same thing. It was really hard to find plot holes and stuff, and it was laser focused. I think that's what I really liked most about it was there wasn't a whole lot of fluff in here. Uh, this is when they're finally getting down into the mission. You know, everything's going exactly. You know, there's not a lot of fluff. It's really getting to the point. Um, I'll give it. I mean, it was great. It was phenomenal. I won't give it a ten, but I'll give it. I'll give it a, a nine. Yeah, I, I'll give it a nine two. Same thing. Same thing. Nine two. I think that's fair. I'll give it a nine two. I think. I can't remember what I gave order. I ranked uh, order the highest, and then goblet right after that. Um, I would probably put this one and then Azkaban, which we'll get into our rankings like when we close out the season. But um, yeah, nine two. I think that's fair. That's what I'll give it. Awesome. Uh, for me, with the movie, it's funny because I put I put a number, but then in parentheses I put barely. So for the movie, <laughs> uh, I gave it a six out of ten, but like barely a six out of ten. Like I was very close to like I, I want. Like, yeah. It was just because of the scenes that they did get right. They did it very very well. I had to give it at least above half. So, but like just above half. Like I I I struggled with giving it a six out of ten, but. I am going to give it a 6 out of 10, but guys, I want you to notate the barely at the second part of that. So, yeah, 6 out of 10 for me for the for the movie. What about you? That's brutal, man. That's a D. <laughs> That's, like, barely passing. Uh, I give him uh, 
I think that's fair. 7.5 out of 10. Like, it wasn't... It was, you know, I've liked this one better out of the Harry Potter films, but there's just so much... You know, it's like every time I gave them a point towards their score, like, they would go mess up something major, almost like someone on their driver's test. Yeah, you did the parallel parking perfect, but then you hit the tractor trailer that was in the parking lot. Like, it kind of cancels that out. <laughs> like, now you have a problem. Like, I get you spent all this time on your parallel parking, but you just took out every car in the parking lot on your way driving out the street. Like, now you have a problem. Uh, but, so, I gave it a 7.5, because I would say, if you've never seen, if you've never read a Harry Potter book, I feel like you would like it, because it's... It's got that Michael Bay action syndrome. The visuals were gorgeous with the firestorm and even the scene at the end with Fox flying over. That didn't make sense, but it was okay. Um, and, you know, I, I thought I got to give credit to the actors, too. Like Harry, I thought he played Daniel Radcliffe, played the whole idea with Felix Felices really well. Um Bellatrix, uh, Helena Bonham Carter plays her great. <laughs> Even the scenes that were added that didn't make sense uh, were really cool to watch, like the Christmas thing or her, you know, throwing plates off the table. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Emma Watson is always phenomenal, and and Ron wasn't, you know, Rupert Grunt wasn't terrible. So I thought it was, um, you know, and actors' performances, like it's all based on the director, really. Why? Because the material you're given, but. Um, I give it a 7.5. I'll pass it. I give it a C. I wasn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't really like it, <laughs> but I didn't hate it either. So with that, you want to close us out, man? You know what, my dude? Alrighty. Well, guys, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, if you haven't already, please click the subscribe button, hit like, follow us on our fan pages. If you're checking us out on Instagram, it's at official ridiculous Patronus. If you're checking out Facebook, it's a Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Uh, we love all the interaction from all the audience members. So if you haven't already, uh, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Uh, we love the interaction all around. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts from, whether you guys are big iHeartRadio guys, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean itself. Our host site's always been great to us. So wherever you do get your podcast, you can find us there. So uh, with that being said, though, this is kind of where we leave off with uh letting our big hero of the whole series dumbledore uh he's no longer with us he's uh gone he's in the white tomb we're gonna be taking this road alone with harry ron and hermione going forward we've got no one uh he, we got no security blanket anymore the big the big bad dude who's always there to save the day is no longer there so uh it's kind of crazy to think that the next time you hear from chase and i We'll be diving into Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, uh, book number seven. So it's been a, been a wild ride so far. We'll let you guys go ahead and kind of digest everything that you heard up to the past couple weeks to the end of Half-Blood Prince and a little bit of our differences episode that we kind of went into today, the stuff that we liked, the stuff that we didn't like. So there's a lot of stuff to kind of get into before we come back to you next week with uh, the, the very new and very end of our not only harry potter series but end of our first season as chase and josh factor fantasy so before i kind of give us our little uh, cadence breakdown chase did you want to say anything else any last things you wanted to add in there yeah i was just gonna say you know this is it this is the one 
everyone's waited a year and a half for. So even when we started this whole thing, even starting at the MCU, everyone wanted to hear about Deathly Hallows, and we're finally there. Uh, and it feels good just the ride, but as we always say, you know, we're going to keep running this Hogwarts Express. It's not quite off the rails yet. We haven't gone all the way off the cliff. We still got some time. So, uh, and, you know, it's just going to be just high flying. You know, we're almost at that peak. So we got one left. We got one quarter. And uh, we're going to give it everything we got on this one. And uh, thanks again for just all our loyal followers out there. And uh, we're going to make this one count coming up soon. So with that, I'll let you sign us off, Jay Nelly. Couldn't say it any better myself, man. So we're talking about the future, but we're still here today. We're going to leave that with you, though, because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.